It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, that introduction, Anthony, made me think. We haven't had Sam Fortier on in a while. Should do that soon. Yeah, we definitely should, you know, get our fellow Orangemen on the program. Has, hasn't been a while. Start the new year as well. So I didn't set this up this way because I didn't know that Anthony was going to play that open, but we are having a fellow Orangeman on the show today. Yes, we are. Andrew Siciliano, NFL Network, also rest in, uh, rest in Virginia's own. He will join us coming up at 4.30 to discuss the top story of the day, which is that the commanders are interviewing Raheem Morris and Dan Quinn. Uh, that is our top story, not because all of a sudden we think those two are the favorites. That is just chron- chronologically speaking, the interviews that are actually happening today. Uh, they are virtual interviews, obviously. Uh, ben Johnson of the Lions is tomorrow. Uh, our guy, did we get Tim confirmed for tomorrow? Yep, we got Tim at 5 p.m. Love that. Tim Twentyman, who was awesome when we had him on uh, when the Commanders played the Lions last year. He's going to join us for Inside on Ben Johnson tomorrow, so it's not like we're ignoring the top candidate in the eyes of many. Uh, it just so happens that today, Raheem Morris and Dan Quinn are going to interview, of course, Morris the current defensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams. Andrew, on top of being L.A.-based and and hosting on NFL Network every day, also is around the Rams a lot as he does their uh, preseason games on television. So it'd be great to get Andrew's insight into Raheem, uh, a guy that I know plenty of people that know as well. And he, to me, is one of the most interesting candidates of this cycle for certainly Washington, but really for anybody because he has the most unique resume of anybody out there. And I don't know that I even fully understood everything that he's done. Like, I can read a resume like everybody else. But um, this morning, Anthony, we recorded Take Command, as we uh, do a couple times a week. And some of that conversation you will hear at 5 o'clock today. But Logan was in Atlanta with Dan Quinn and Rahi Morris. So you'll we'll get Logan's reflections coming up at 5 o'clock. Um, but... He talked about like how much he did, and I, I guess the, the the veer that I didn't really understand in Raheem Morris's career was when he started coaching offense, and I was like, well, he went back to defense. He must have not been that good at it, but that's really not what it was. He's just a tremendous defensive coach, but he actually was really instrumental in the development of some very good football players in Atlanta. Um, probably chief amongst them. I mean, the best player that he coached was Julio Jones, and those were Julio's best years. So I would definitely think that the defensive perspective that Raheem was able to bring as a defensive backs guy to Atlanta under Kyle Shanahan, who he obviously knew from his time here in Washington together, uh, could be another member of the 2013, uh, 2012, whatever year you want to pick coaching staff that winds up being an NFL head coach. Of course, Ra has already been a head coach in the league, but probably got that job a little too young. Um, was just 33 at the time, and and I don't see him as a retread because of that. This is a guy that is, you know, more traditionally would have paid his dues and probably got a head coaching job a couple years ago if he didn't have that Tampa thing on his resume. Point being, what the perspective that he brought to Atlanta helped Julio have some of his best years. And then you combine that with guys like Mohamed Sanu, who was absolutely a project at wide receiver. Like, this is a former college quarterback who converted, tremendous athlete, and Raheem was there when they went to the Super Bowl. And it was a key, key part, passing game coordinator, in fact, um, if I'm remembering correctly, but certainly wide receivers coach, on Kyle Shanahan's staff. Like, Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust just anyone with his offense. And Raheem Morris had that trust. And so 
I would certainly assume that since he left ultimately and uh, when Dan Quinn was fired in, in 2020 um, and went and joined Sean out in Los Angeles and has done a pretty good job with that defense out there this year, had to do a lot of adjusting and, and they, they shirted it up by the end of the year to help them go on that run and ultimately, you know, come up just short in the playoffs. Not really his unit's fault. If the offense could have scored anything in the red zone, uh, perhaps Los Angeles advances. Instead, they kick a bunch of field goals and Detroit wins that game by one. But Morris would pro- like he's so plugged in. And it's something that I think is is interesting when you think about head coaches. And this is something that I would to an extent worry about with Ben Johnson as well. Um, ben Johnson, Mike McDonald, these younger guys, and something that a guy like Sean and a guy like Kyle have been able to overcome. So obviously you can overcome this. It's just something that you have to have a good answer for in the interview is like, who are your people? Who's your staff? Do you have relationships with older coaches potentially to bring in and younger coaches? Like, do you have the relationships around the league if you haven't been around a ton? And a guy like Raheem could build one of the best staffs in the league. I mean, there's a lot of irony in what I'm about to say, but like Frank Reich built what was supposed to be an all-star staff last year in Carolina. It went miserably. But that's also because despite the fact that a lot of people like Frank Reich, he didn't really bring in a cohesive staff. It's something that I think would be prevented from happening here. Um, one, because I think the oversight of a guy like Adam Peters would be very helpful. Two, Josh Harris believes in kind of getting everybody on the same page in terms of a vision. And three, I'd like to think Raheem Morris would be smart enough to go like, yeah, I see how Kyle did this. I see how Sean did this. It's very important that we have people that are on the same page on our defensive and offensive staffs. Um, We're not going to make that mistake. So hopefully that would be the case. But in terms of an actual network, Raheem Morris, everybody loves that guy. I, you can't find someone in the NFL who doesn't like Raheem Morris. It just, every, I mean, I'm sure you can, but like, that guy probably sucks. <laughs> probably. Because, you know, you're around the combine every year, you know, you're going, you're at the Super Bowl, you're at all these NFL events, and um, you just you just hear nothing but great things about, about Rod. I'm sure Andrew Siciliano, when he joins us at 4.30, will tell us the same thing. And... That's exciting to me. Someone who has a vision of what an offense can look like and has been a part of it on a detailed level and what a defense can look like and has, has run some of the best ones in the league over the last two and a half decades. Still young, has that energy. People love him. He's a dynamic personality. Like I think Raheem Morris is going to probably get a job, again, whether it's this year or next year. I, I think he's going to be up for it, and I, I think he is someone who could be a very good head coach and I think would do a very good job here and could build a very good staff here. I also think Dan Quinn could could do that as well because many of the things I just said about Raheem Morris are also true about Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is a guy that Logan Logan described as a fresh a breath of fresh air when he got to Atlanta. He had been here, seen things go south with the Shanahan's. He gets cut in 2016 by Jay uh, or 2015 by Jay, he goes to Chicago. That Chicago team was terrible and a mess. And he goes to Atlanta in 2017, and it was like a whole different job. And Quinn was responsible for creating that place that people enjoyed going to work. He's also made mistakes in how he built that, especially in the aftermath of Kyle leaving. 
uh, and who they paid, how much they paid them, the roster. Like, there's some GM issues that happened at that time in Atlanta as well where they needed Matt Ryan to play like Matt Ryan 2015 and or 2016, and he never got to that level again once Kyle left for San Francisco. Um, but they paid him so much they couldn't build out the roster. So that was part of the issue, but also, like, I think an interesting story that Logan shared with, with me today um, on the pod, I'm not betraying trust here, is that like after Dan Quinn got fired in Atlanta, Logan was one of the people he called and was like, hey, dude, what did I do wrong? Like, where did it go wrong? What are some things that I can improve on? And that reflective nature, I think, is encouraging. And it's why I've said, like, do I have my favorites? Yes. This Is, is this me endorsing Raheem Morris or Dan Quinn? I mean, first of all, I would say Morris over Quinn, just to, to for whatever that's worth. Two, um, am I saying that I am endorsing either of these guys over the guys that I have been higher on all along, mainly Johnson from Detroit? No, but there's a lot of good candidates in this cycle. Like, if you're looking for a head coach right now in the league, which, by the way, a quarter of the league is. There are eight of 32 jobs open. That is 25% of the NFL is looking for a head coach right now. You can find a good one. Someone who should be good if you surround them with the right people. And you make sure that they surround themselves with the right people. Um, so that's that's exciting, I think, for Washington. Ultimately, do I think that Johnson is probably the better candidate, someone who's a little more innovative, who seems to be a little bit more dynamic, um, who really has helped build a culture in Detroit in a way that uh, matters and has helped them win a bunch of football games, along with Dan Campbell, obviously being the main driver there as the head coach? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do I wonder about who Ben Johnson knows throughout the league because he's been with Campbell for most of his career? Like, who does... Who are his relationships? Who are the people that he would bring with him? Uh, and, you know, I think Adam Peters and Ben Johnson being the top candidates would make this place very appealing to bring people with you. People are going to want to come work here, which is the first time that we've been able to say that for a long time. Um, I'd have the same questions about Mike McDonald uh, coming from Baltimore. He's literally only coached for the Harbaugh's. John, for most of his career, starting as an intern in 2014, all the way up to what he is now as the defensive coordinator. And his one uh, year that he wasn't with the Ravens, he was with Michigan, where he was the defensive coordinator there. So, like, a pop pro, you've been at every level of one of the top organizations in the sport. Negative, you haven't seen how it's done elsewhere, and there's only so many people you meet when you stay in one place. So these are the kinds of questions that I, I wonder these are the kinds of things that you worry about. And these are the kinds of things that, like, if you are actually Adam Peters and Bob Myers and Rick Spielman and Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails and Magic Johnson, and David Blitzer, the people doing the interviews, these are the questions you're asking. I don't know the answers. And I think it's really easy for all of us in radio world and all of us in fan world to be like, that's my favorite guy. But realistically, what do we know if we don't know those answers? That's, that's I think, what's most interesting um, but with that said, you know, based off what we know, Johnson's still the guy that I probably like the most. Um, what he does is really, really great. He's very good at it. He has a clear vision for it. Um, but guys like Morris and Quinn, I think are also fantastic candidates. And I'm glad that Washington is talking to them today and kind of running out all the ground balls of the top candidates around the league. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. You can give us a call at 301-230-0980. Thoughts on the head coaching search as it is ongoing, 
888-900-0980. Andrew Siciliano joins us at 4.30. Stoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. You can give us a call on the Ace Law listener line, 301-230-0980. It's 301-230-0980. Of course, we're always streaming live on YouTube as well. I see the fine board behind me. Um, We need to update that because Anthony and I finally got ourselves lunch today. Hey, you owe me money. I do, and I never knew what I owe. That's that's probably valid. I know I owe you 40% of whatever the total price was, though. Yeah, that is true. So I will... uh, I, it wasn't very much, but I will. Okay. Uh, I'll let you know. Gracias. Um, and then, and then, hopefully, none of us make mistakes, and we don't have to buy each, uh, ourselves a show lunch because we owe it to ourselves for being bad at the show mm. anytime soon. Uh, but we can we can wipe the the one that we owe ourselves off the off the fine board in just a moment. Uh, right now, though, take your calls three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty. Let's go to Paul in D.C. to get us started. Paul, thanks for calling. You are on the Hoffman Show. Yeah, it's always good to uh, talk with you because you come up with some really good, strong points, man. I, I, I like Morris, I, you know, without a doubt, but also I like the Jason that's out in Detroit too, man. And, but but I, Dan Quinn, man, they're trying to run him out of Dallas, man. They don't even want him there. So, so do we want Quinn or, or, or what? I know Oh man, Paul's phone's dying. Actually, I'm gonna put. Let's tell you what. I, I, I'm curious in what his Dan Quinn point is. So, Anthony, double check his phone. We'll come to Scott. We'll come back to Paul in a second. Scott, uh, thanks for calling. You are on the Hoffman Show. Hey man, appreciate it. You got hey, it. I, I love the OCs, but I like the um, the DC out of Baltimore better. McDonald. Uh, reason why is this? Got three reasons. One. He's on a winning organization that plays tough schedules year after year. They always play in the number one or the number two schedule. They got two or three uh, playoff teams in their division, and they play outside well in the winter. And so if he brings that culture here on the defense, that defense will help keep us settled when our young quarterback is not having their best game or stretch of two or three bad games. It'll keep us in game. So i like to see what they can do about getting him in. Yeah, no, I, I like McDonald a lot. Thanks, Scott. Um, I, I think McDonald's super interesting because he, like, he has used, they're very talented in Baltimore. But I think it's important to remember that good teams have talent. Like, a coach, a coach succeeding with talent means he's a good coach, not the other way around. Um, not that just like, oh, it's the talent. Like, yeah, he's, how many times have we seen good talent go to waste here? I would love someone who's good at identifying talent and good at using it as a head coach. That would be sick. Um, but he does a really good job with it. And I think the the schedule points are a really good one. Like every year they're going to face really tough competition. And whether he was the intern 10 years ago or now the defensive coordinator, he's been a part of that continued success. I also think like they are an offense that – let Lamar cook a little bit more this year, but generally speaking has been kind of a run first. Like we're going to, we need our defense to play well. They play very good complimentary football. And when you're going to have a young quarterback, I don't mind that as a head coaching uh, style. Like unless my young quarterback is like Andrew Luck, uh, what he was coming out. I know obviously his career wound up being super weird, but if I got Peyton Manning coming out, I got Joe Burrow coming out. Like, sure. 
we can worry a little less about complimentary football because we got one of them dudes. If we got Patrick Mahomes, we can play a little less complimentary football because I got one of them dudes, and I'm worried about making sure his dude potential goes to a million. But McDonald, for most quarterbacks, I think would be a great head coach in a lot of ways. The question I would always have for a defensive uh, coach is going to be, what what's your offensive identity and how do you maintain it uh, if the, if your offense is successful and you lose your OC? Because that's harder to replace than an offensive coordinator replacing a DC in the other direction. DCs are just easier to find than, than good OCs and defenses. It's really more that defenses are easier to install than offenses. Um, so that would be... That would be thing one. And thing two, like I mentioned earlier, like what's his network like? I like I, what kind of staff is he gonna hire? I just I don't know. Um, that's not me saying whereas like Raheem Morris, it's pretty obvious he's gonna hire people off of the Kyle Shanahan tree and the Sean McVay tree because those are the people that he's worked with. I don't know exactly who the OC is that comes in with uh with Mike McDonald. It just it's less obvious. He probably has an idea, which is why, you know, they're they're interviewing him. Uh, let's go back to Paul. Paul, you were you were talking about Dan Quinn and and your thoughts on him. Uh, fired up. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming back to me. Yeah, yeah uh, Dan Quinn. Uh, you know, because I have uh, uh, you know relatives down in uh, Texas, and they ready to give them to us. And then I heard the guy. I think it was uh, Dan Dan and Grant and uh, Dan and Granny. You know what I mean? Uh, Grant and Danny. And they were talking to the guy that's that's down in uh, Texas. And uh, he was evaluating them. You know, he wanted the evaluators. And he was talking the same thing, man. He said, man, they really want Dan Quinn out of there, man. So I think Dan Quinn is going to be a healthy choice for, for some somebody. I just like the two youngers. I like Morris, even though he's been with us for a while. And I'll take the other Johnson. But also one of the callers just before me talking about McDonald. I like him too, man. Yeah. I, I just like the position that we're in right now. I agree, Paul. I think, thanks again for the call and for sticking with it with through the phone trouble. I think Washington's in such a good spot because they're, the head coaching candidates this cycle seem to be really good. Even like the second tier candidates, your retreads, I think, are, are good, so to speak. Like Dan Quinn, I mean, shoot, if you want to count Bill Belichick as a retread, like he's the greatest coach of all time. Do I want him here particularly? No. But like, is, is Atlanta smart to go after Belichick? Hell yeah. Their roster's really good. And if Belichick can take that talent and get the most out of it, like Atlanta could be really good next year if that's who they they go with. Um, you know, Quinn goes to Seattle and and inherits that secondary, like right back to where they were when he was the DC under Pete. Like that he knows the culture there, he knows what they want to do. Like you keep Shane Waldron as the OC, like you can cook with Dan Quinn as your head coach in, in Seattle. The problem is going to be when Shane Waldron gets a head coaching job next year, what do you do offensively? Did Dan Quinn learn from his previous mistake, and is he grooming someone to take over a year from now, assuming that Waldron continues to grow and his stock continues to rise? Like These are the questions that I would have, and I would hope they have good answers, but I, I'm also, you know, with the callers here, like the young guys I think are, are super interesting. I think they're ready. Um, in in most cases, to to come on and do the job, and you know they'll have some learning to do, but you surround them with good people. And Adam Peters, by the way, is a great resource for that. He saw how Kyle, like he was there, because that's one of the things too that I think is is great about Peters is he was there from day one in San Francisco. He watched how Kyle and was a part of how Kyle built the organization 
to be this team with a very clear, distinct identity. And not that it has to be the same identity as they have in San Francisco, although if you can do it, being a tough son-of-a-gun football team with a great offense and a great defense and great players is a pretty darn good formula. It's just hard to repeat. But he saw how it was built from an infrastructure standpoint. Like That's really, really powerful. You need the head coach to make sure that you get it right, and Kyle was as good of a choice as you could have, um, even if he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. But, like, you you gotta you gotta have the pieces around support staff and you know your coaching staff etc. And I think Adam Peters can help whoever it is that comes in build that same infrastructure here in Washington. All right, we'll get back to some more calls later on in the show. Next, though, uh, we are on the phones on the guest line. Andrew Siciliano joins us from NFL Network. Next, it's the Hoffman Show here on a Thursday and Team 980 always live. On the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. It's our pleasure to welcome back a friend of the show from Syracuse University, from Reston, Virginia, the one, the only, Andrew Siciliano. Andrew, what's up, man? How are you? How are you? Do I have to call you? <clears throat> Do I have to call you Hoffman, or or to can I call you Craig? You can call me Craig. Why would you call me Hoffman? Well, I mean, it's just like the, like the the branding coming in. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's true. I mean, I it, either one. I respond to both. I responded to worse, honestly. I mean, either those are my uh, two preferred. Have. But you yeah. know, we've all we've all been there. Uh, of course, Andrew, host of uh, many shows on and many of the live coverage you've been watching of all the coaching carousel and playoff coverage and free agency and all the things on NFL Network, but also uh, the play by play voice in the preseason for the Los Angeles Rams, which is specifically why I wanted to have him on. Today, uh, Andrew, as you well know, the commanders are interviewing, amongst others, Raheem Morris today for their vacant head coaching position. You've, you've gotten to know him over the years being out there in L.A. Like, What do you think of Raheem Morris's potential uh, a second time around as a head coach, as a much wiser, more seasoned man than the 33-year-old who got three years at the helm of Tampa all those years ago? I think he will be much better. I think um, like a lot of head coaches who got that first bite of the apple probably a little bit too soon, and I think Raheem would admit that it was probably a little bit too soon, um, a decade later, now, remember he had the interim tag there for a little bit in Atlanta as well, but a, yep. a decade later, he is a much wiser um, man, coach, leader, all of these things. He's a better football coach, too, just for a decade extra of experience. But I, I love the guy. Honestly, I, I can't endorse him enough. He is, um, I mean, get away from the X's and O's for a little bit. Um, as a people person as a leader as a source of energy and it isn't fake it's not like rah rah scream yell loudest guy in the room energy it's not bad he has an electricity to him and maybe that's not even the right word like i've never seen a guy without a smile on his face and it's like genuine good-natured energy it's hard to really put into words but um I i can't speak better of a guy uh, what he will do for a building a room we overuse the word culture all the time in these interviews but for all of that I I think Raheem Morris is that guy honestly yeah I mean that's the thing I I didn't I didn't set you up with this way the uh, question wise but I, I could have led you in that direction by saying I've never met someone who doesn't absolutely love the guy what do you think of him which could have set you up to give the answer you gave or be the first guy to say something bad about Raheem Morris 
Uh, apparently it would have been the former, not the latter. Do you have any specific stories that can kind of illustrate that? I mean, as you said, it's kind of an omnipresent thing with him, but is there anything that immediately pops to mind kind of story-wise uh, from whether it's an interaction in a meeting or, or seeing sure. him on the sideline, whatever it may be? Yeah, you know, he's um, he's so comfortable in his own skin. Like, you just, just watch him on the podium. There's no fakeness or all right, how do I say this here? Because I know I'm being filmed and maybe this will be used in the other team's building against us this week as motivation. He's not that guy. He's just so comfortable because he knows he's not going to step in it. But um, I, I think there are, there are two stories. Number one, it's well-documented, just you know the way he saved a kid's life in Vegas at the pool last offseason. That's number one. Number two, um, he has, the last couple of years, we're very lucky with the Rams in the preseason in that Sean um, – puts the headset on and is an analyst with us live on the field. Basically, I say analyst. He's calling plays and coaching while on headset for at least one drive a game in the preseason. Um, And it's great that he's able to do that and that he allows um, his staff to do that. Well, Raheem does it as well. And Raheem, uh, like, honestly, he wants to stay on for, for multiple drives. He's a ham. Um, he understands it's the preseason. I'm, I'm not trying to suggest he's not taking the game seriously. He is. But normally in the preseason, he has one of his assistants um, actually call the defense during the game, and Sean does the same thing. He doesn't call plays. One of his assistants, usually his OC, that doesn't call plays in the regular season will call it. Um, so Raheem joins us on headset. He's hysterical. He's comfortable. He jokes. Um you know, I, I've given him grief off there that why does he even need to be down there? Why doesn't he come upstairs and just <laughs> sit with us the entire game? Um, he claims he has lobbied to do that, but gets turned down. Um, he would do it. He has a future in television if he wants to. Um, I, I know that's a long-winded example, but he, he's – I mean, he'll be your best friend, put it that way, if he gets there. Uh, like, he, he makes everyone feel like they're his best friend but doesn't do it in a way that seems contrived or he wants something back from you. That's great. That's really good. And now uh, I feel like, Anthony, we need to go back in the uh, in NFL Game Pass archives and find the Raheem Morris uh, drives with Andrew and the Rams crew in the preseason. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, we got you get Andrew Whitworth up in the booth, and yeah, um, and we're just we're just joking with him the entire time. It's great. That's great. Yeah, we do a we do a heavy sound segment at the end of the radio show, so that sounds like it could be in real things, real people sending real microphones today. Andrew Siciliano, not just guesting but helping produce the show, unbeknownst to him, uh, with us here on the Hoffman Show. Of course, Andrew, uh, NFL Network as well as the Rams uh, TV preseason. So, kind of putting your NFL Network hat on for a moment, Andrew. When you look at this Commanders job, they got the number one guy on the market for the GM uh, round of hirings uh, in Adam Peters, but for the head coach side of it. Kind Kind of in the national perspective, where do you rank this job in terms of you know potential candidates? I think it's it's pretty high for a couple of things. Number one, the new ownership and the new GM, and just a new slate. You know, wiping it clean and the opportunity to get in there on the ground floor on something new that people are optimistic about. I think those are all positives. And that number two pick doesn't hurt, does it? No, not at all. Yeah, you you combined. Uh, New ownership, new GM, fresh attitude, um, fan base that that obviously we all know is is just dying and and energetic to get back in there for something new and fresh in the future. And the number two pick, 
I think it's pretty high. I mean, look, you could say Atlanta has an owner willing to spend money and great skill position players and all those things. Sure, of course they do. Um, and a winnable division in the NFC South, more winnable right now than the NFC East. Yes, all those things. You say L.A. has the quarterback and Justin Herbert, the great weather and a brand new facility that's opening in the spring. Yes, all those things. It, 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 there are There is competition out there. But when you have the ability to truly start new and be in on the ground floor with the number two pick, I think that's pretty attractive. No doubt about it. Uh, you get the chance to talk to so many people around the league, um, and, and you just talked about Raheem and kind of that it factor he has. Were there any other of the candidates that you know for sure? I mean, it's one thing you hear about certain things where you're just like, oh, yeah, I either know that guy or I know someone that knows him, uh, one degree of separation, where you know they have that it factor on top of, I think, the things that we all see. Like, we know Mike McDonald can coordinate a defense. We know Ben Johnson can coordinate an offense. We see the results on the field. But that next-level it factor that does so often go into being a successful head coach. I'll say this. If you talk to the people in Detroit, um, they they were so happy that Ben Johnson didn't leave and, and they feel like they dodged a bullet last year when, when Ben was this close to taking a job and then backed out, um, maybe backed out. is not the right way to say it decided to stay. I think Ben, Ben Johnson has the it's factor when it comes to coordinating. And when it comes to uh, the belief that his guys, his offense have collectively in him, I think he does have that it factor. Um, Thomas Brown, who, yeah, I do know from here with the Rams, sure. I think Thomas Brown will be a head coach one day. I, I think uh, this past year was tough and people are going to hold it against him when everything went sideways in Carolina. It does not do him well when Frank Reich, I think, pressured by the owner, takes back play calling duties midseason um, after only giving them to him a few weeks earlier. But I think he will overcome that. Um, and look, everyone loves Dan Quinn, and uh, I do think he'll be a head coach again. And if it happens, I think it's probably in Seattle. But, um, you know, the way that season ended uh, is, is the first question I think you have to ask him when you sit down for an interview with him this cycle. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Andrew Siciliano, you can watch him on NFL Network. Great insight as always. Uh, hopefully I will see you both in Las Vegas Super Bowl week and, uh, and again in Indianapolis uh, for the Combine a couple weeks later. My Come friend. on, you're, you're not coming to Mobile? Like I, my, if I sound dead today, I've had my head in my laptop for the past 72 hours getting ready for the Senior Bowl. So oh, yeah. Come to Mobile, buddy. I wish. I mean, if they would pay me. to, they, That's the thing, Andrew. And actually, I think the first time Andrew and I ever met in person was in Mobile. Um, I, they used to pay me because I used to be my job, but now they pay me to sit in this chair every day. So when I go the places, it's because I decided to go, not because you they sent me. You know, there are few things better than L.A. in February, and I mean Lower Alabama. I mean, it is. It actually, in all seriousness, Mobile of all the things I got to go to when I was a beat reporter, the Senior Bowl was my favorite one every year, hands down. Uh, I mean. Joking aside, I love it. It sets you up for the entire year, and you learn every player's backstory before they get to the league. And so many of those players yeah. are factoring this weekend, whether it's like Jaden Reed or Luke Musgrave or, or go back last week and just here with the Rams. Last year, Puka Nakua and Steve Avila and Davis Allen and, and uh, all these guys, Byron Young, 
all those guys, senior bowl guys, and you get to know them and you get to know their stories before they before they make it big. And senior bowl week is always more fun if the the so at least one of the big quarterback prospects showed up. I mean, what I remember when Baker showed up the year that he showed up and the whole dynamic of the week changed. You got Penix totally. down there this year, and uh, uh, there's some and others that might wind up. You got Penix and Bo Nix. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, and and Spencer Rattler, and yes, in years past, you've had Dak Prescott and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield. Um, who else? Um, plenty of guys. Yeah, so it's it's a good time. There first, uh, as they like to say down there, the draft starts in Mobile. Uh, Andrew does Very call good. that for NFL Network, uh, so you can watch their coverage there uh, when when that gets going here in a couple weeks. But yeah, I, I will be in Vegas. I will be in Indy. So hopefully, I'll see you there. And uh, thank you for your time uh, here today, my friend. Yes, sir. As always. Uh, that is Andrew Siciliano, everybody, with us here on the Hoffman Show. When we get back, uh, react to some of what he had to say, uh, especially about kind of that dynamic it factor nature in a head coach. That's next. Also, uh, I got a little bit of story time before Logan Paulson's thoughts on Raheem Morris and Dan Quinn at the top of the hour. Coming up at the top of the hour, Logan Paulson's thoughts on the two interviews of the day for the Commanders, Raheem Morris and Dan Quinn, two guys that he played for in Atlanta. Obviously, Logan was here with Raheem as well. Uh, had good relationships with both men, uh, and it seems like everyone does. seems like these are two guys that everybody loves. Um, whether that's enough, and obviously they're both technically very, very good at their jobs, uh, coordinated two of the top defenses in the NFL the last couple of years, um, but is that going to be enough to overcome, uh, you know, or enough to, I don't say overcome, but enough to to be the best candidate at the end of the day? We'll see. Uh, but they're getting their, their interviews today virtually with Adam Peters and the rest of the hiring crew for the Washington Commanders, and since Logan played for both, uh, what better uh, person to ask? So we'll have Logan and his thoughts at the top of the hour. Um, just had Andrew Siciliano on the show. I loved that Raheem Moore story about uh, him joining on the broadcast, Anthony. Um, that was that was cool. And uh, it just shows, like, I think there's, like, a right amount of taking your job seriously that you need to have, and also there is such thing as too much. And I think that's something Sean learned uh, in L.A. was, like, Sean burnt out, and it actually isn't helpful. Like, you can, you can overgrind, if you will. Um, and, and you need to have a, a healthy relationship with the job and with your players, and it, just, it makes you a better leader. It makes you more dynamic. It, it keeps your creativity flowing. Um, it keeps your problem-solving ability high, and it seems like Raheem has that. And, again, like so many ways, it's a shame that he was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks so young. I mean, he was 33 when he took the job. That's how old I am. That's crazy to think, like, oh, yeah, I could be an NFL head coach right now. Shoot. Like, I can't imagine how much more I'm going to know about everything in 15 years. Um, and it's, like, it's good as long as he gets another shot. I just hope that no one looks at him and is like, oh, we can't give him another shot. I'm not saying that means he should be the favorite here, but, like, the more I learn about Raheem Morris on the field, off the field, around the field, everything, the more I, I like the guy and, and just really hope that he gets a shot somewhere. Cause I, and, and I hope that it, it goes well for him because he seems like the best dude that you could ever meet. Yeah, and I also just feel as though we've seen so many uh, retread coaches that honestly probably shouldn't have gotten second chances. You know, Josh McDaniels, for instance. But, you know, he's been given a second chance, and I think uh, Raheem, you know, having more time in the game, a chance to, you know, learn under some 
phenomenal coaches. Oh yeah. Uh, so I I just think um, he he's more than deserving uh, of an opportunity to be honest, and I'm excited to see. And hopefully he gets mentioned along with those 2013 Washington yeah franchise. Update the graphic, please. Please, I, I was joking with Logan this morning. I was like, wouldn't it be nice if they hired Sloic or Raheem and it worked out? Because then you could find, like, so many franchises have benefited <laughs> from the Washington 2013 staff. Yep. This Washington not being one of them. So it'd be pretty cool if, like, eventually it's like, oh, yeah, full circle, finally. Close finally. that loop. Yep. Um, unrelated to any of that, Anthony, I thought today was going to be an incredibly stressful day. It was a breeze? Whoa, whoa, what? It was a breeze, like it was an easy day. No, it, it turned out to be an easy day because we, uh, my wife and I, were supposed to get our brand new couch delivered today. Uh, this couch we ordered back in October. We knew it would be ten to fourteen weeks, end of October. So we're it's it's on schedule. Uh huh. But if we've been waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it, and we get the call earlier this week. It's like, hey, or we get the email last week. It's like schedule your delivery. Amazing. Schedule for for Thursday. Uh, it's like, it could be 8, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's like, ah, crap, one of those, huh? And so there was a chance that I was like, am I going to have to try to do this show from home and also let someone in to deliver a couch? Because Rachel had something to do at 5.30 today and like, oh. you know, whatever. But no, okay, yesterday, get a text and a call to confirm, hey, your window is 11.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. So I was like, that's still kind of tight. And also, we had to move, we currently have two couches that we brought over from our old apartment. And they face each other. And then we got a sectional, so it'd be one big couch now. But we had to take one of those couches and move it up two flights of stairs in our home. And then we had to find a way to dump the other one. So Rachel and I get up this morning. We move uh, the one couch upstairs successfully. We're proud of our, us. We did it. No no marital fighting. Uh, just, just pure production from the Hoffmans. We're good at this. Um, it's right up our alley. We're lifting stuff. I mean, come on. Freaking fitness nerds over here. Um, but then uh, she had gotten on TaskRabbit and found uh, a TaskRabbit that was going to be able to come and take our old couch away. I was like, amazing. This is fantastic. So we put together uh, some some other furniture that we had got to go with this couch. And Rachel goes and takes one of the boxes out. I'm like putting on my shoes and my coat to go uh, help her with the trash. And, and I get a phone call to tell us that our couch isn't coming today. Oh, come on. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, what? They're like, well, we haven't gotten all the pieces to the warehouse yet. So, like, all the pieces have to go to the final warehouse, and then we deliver them to you. And we don't have all the pieces at the final warehouse. You know, the weather's delayed it. We're really sorry. And I was just like, look, I understand things happen. I understand. And I, I literally said this to the customer service rep, and I was like, I, I want to be very clear. This is not your fault. You're just the, the person who's answering the phone. I understand that the truck could have gotten a flat tire on the way here. There are no guarantees. But when you call me 24 hours prior to confirm the delivery for today, you don't think you could have mentioned that maybe we're still waiting on a piece and there's a chance? Because now... We got to cancel our TaskRabbit, and thank God, a shout-out. If, if you're a TaskRabbit who was scheduled to deliver a couch this morning, uh, hope you like my takes because you're coming to my home at some future date. Um, but he was great. Uh, he, we, 
uh, obviously now have to make sure that one of us is home to deal with the new delivery, which we don't know when it will be because we haven't gotten a call back from them uh, to say, hey, we finally got your couch. We'll see you tomorrow. Nope. Uh, hilariously, we were supposed to have friends over for dinner tonight. They had to cancel before we got the couch cancellation, which turned out to be a gigantic blessing in disguise. But now our living room is hilariously disassembled because we just have the one couch and a place where the other couch is supposed to go. It's just, I just think that from a customer service standpoint, you can't prevent the weather. You can't prevent accidents. What you can do is when you're calling someone to confirm a delivery of a pretty significant piece of furniture that involves... And they even tell you on the call, please make sure the area is cleared. We need a clean path. We need, if you have any other couch, like I asked them, can you help us remove our old couch? They're like, no, we, we cannot do that. I was like, okay, fine. It seems silly that I couldn't pay, you know, like you guys should offer that as a service. I'd pay you extra money for it. I'm not asking for a favor. You're a business, but it seems like you should actually have the couch. That's all I'm saying. You know, that seemed fair, not too demanding, not too high maintenance of me. Yeah, I'm just more upset that they confirmed the delivery only to tell you less than 24 hours later that they didn't have all the pieces. That is insane. Hey, we're calling a confirmed delivery of your couch. <laughs> Fast forward to the next morning, morning of delivery. Hey, sorry, we don't have your couch. So your delivery is canceled. It, it's like, man. yeah, no kidding, my delivery is canceled. You don't have the couch. You think you could have mentioned that yesterday? And it's been months. Yeah, it's not like I've been waiting on this couch for... I mean, that's the thing. If they were like, hey, we're really sorry. Uh, we anticipated because if, that, if that, this was the call yesterday, even. Hey, we're really, really sorry that, uh, you know, we know you've been waiting months for your order, um, but we anticipated it being here by today for delivery tomorrow. And the, it hasn't arrived yet. As you know, there's been storms and, and that interrupted delivery. OK, no. Hey, that's a bummer. But, you know, we've waited two months. What's another two days? Don't worry about it. Uh, please let us know when you have it. Instead, it's like, okay, we'll see you tomorrow. Wow. Anyway. And you my... haven't gotten your new delivery date. No, unless Rachel has gotten a call since I've been on the air, which she shouldn't have because they were supposed to call me first, and then if I didn't answer, they're supposed to call her. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we haven't gotten, hopefully, hopefully within the next, hopefully by Monday we have our couch. But uh, not great, Bob. Not great. All right, we get back. You know what is great? Logan Paulson and his insight on football, especially when we're talking about head coaching candidates that he played for. He played for Dan Quinn. He played for Raheem Morris. They're getting interviewed today by the commanders. Logan's thoughts next on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up at 5.30, our playoff edition NFL tiers. How many teams that we gave no chance actually won last weekend? Um, and do we still think they have no chance? Or do we give them a little bit better of a shot to eventually get to and win the Super Bowl? NFL tiers coming up at 5.30. Right now, though, it is time for Not My Beat. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not my beat. All right, so today's not my beat. A little bit of take command for you. Fresh off the pod mics, if you will. Logan and I recorded this just this morning. And when we talk about, you know, our top story from the perspective of someone who was there, 
Logan was there for the Dan Quinn era at 2017 or 2016, I should say, in Atlanta. It's the year after Quinn and company went to the Super Bowl, hired Steve Sarkeesian as the head coach. The wide receivers coach was a guy named Raheem Morris. Well, today, Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris interviewed for the commander's open head coaching position. So we spent a good amount of time, about 20 minutes on the podcast, talking about those two men and more. Uh, you will hear one reference to uh, some points made earlier in the podcast. We spent the first 15 minutes or so talking about Mike McDonald's candidacy. So if you want to hear that and some of the things that we talked about being important, then obviously you should go listen to the full edition of Take Command. We also did a version of NFC East Would You Rather, which was fun. Uh, who would you rather have for the next three years if your goal is to win a Super Bowl? But uh, here's the conversation from Logan about the two candidates that interviewed today for the commander's head coaching position who he played for in Atlanta. All right, let's talk about two coaches that you know and have played for. Uh, and in fact, we're on the same staff uh, when you were there in Atlanta. Uh, Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn. Let's start with DQ. Yeah. He was your head coach in Atlanta. We have certainly talked about him before. And I will say it is, it's really tough for a head coaching candidate to lose in the playoffs the way that he did. Does that define him? No, but it is an outsized data point because the whole league is watching. And that includes the owners that are going to hopefully hire you, mm. um, where week in week out, they're either on their yacht somewhere, uh, or at the game, watching their own team. They're not watching the entire league. They're certainly tangentially aware but when the whole league sits down and watches you get gashed in the way that that defense got gashed for the Cowboys, probably not the best thing to have as the last piece on your resume for Dan Quinn going to these interviews. That said, he's also got a Super Bowl ring as defensive coordinator with Seattle. Um, and he obviously made another Super Bowl there in Atlanta uh, with Kyle. And, and we all know what happened in that Super Bowl. It's not great. Uh, so with that said, Dan Quinn, head coach candidate. How do you how do you like him? I mean, I can't say enough good things about Dan. I think when I went to Atlanta, it was like a brush of fresh, fresh air for me in my career. Like, and quite honestly, because he just did such a good job of creating like one of the best cultures I've ever been around. Like, it was so fun to come to work. It was so fun to be a part of his vision. He cared about the players. He's passionate about the players. Obviously, he's a smart football guy. But, you know, I can't speak to McDonald and what he does, right? And how the guys like him, but having been a player for Dan, I know he just builds relationships at the highest level, you know? And I know um, he has a really good relationship with Kyle. Kyle's got a great, great relationship with Adam. So I think like that's your, when you're getting a referral from Kyle Shanahan, I think that's a big deal. I also think, you know, one of the things I keep, I brought this up a couple of times on the show and I just, it's to me, it's one of the most valuable things that he's done. Like despite all the stuff he did for me in Atlanta, what I saw him do with the team there, like, after he got fired, I remember he called me and said, you know, I'm trying to figure things out, like where I went wrong. And like that reflectiveness, that growth mindset, I think is so important. So I don't think he's going to make the same mistakes that he made in Atlanta. And I think he's going to kind of, he just, he's just a good dude, man. Good dude. Awesome coach. Can't say enough positive things about him. I think the team would be very lucky to have him here. Obviously he's a little bit older and, you know, is this the right fit for what Josh Harris wants with Adam? I don't know. And so that's, again, something that goes through in the interview process, but in terms of building a culture, a positive work environment, you're going to be hard pressed to find a guy better than that um, in terms of building relationships with players. So um, again, like it's more than that, you know, it's again, does the vision align with what they're trying to do in, um, in the front office here. But in terms of that kind of stuff, he's excellent. Yeah. I mean, every time I've heard you talk about him, I'm like, 
what more could you want in yeah. a head coach? Um, you know, obviously I think you have the reality that it didn't go great uh, in Atlanta right. after Kyle left. And yeah. the question is, is that reflectiveness that he had, um, you know, like how does it actually implement? Cause it's easy in the moment yeah. to be like, all right, how did it go? But then actually implementing the change is, is difficult. You know, how do you go about, finding that network and making sure that you are set on the offensive side of the ball when you are a defensive guy, how involved would he be on the defense would be another question I'd want to yeah. know from him. Um, and I don't know when, when he was the head coach in Atlanta, like how hands-on was he versus obviously coming off a tremendous coordinating run in Dallas, even if it has this hour ending. Yeah. So I think, you know, obviously one of the things about Dan that you love is again, you see some of that same innovativeness that you see from McDonald, right? Putting playmakers in good positions to be successful, taking away the most valuable asset, disguising coverages, getting guys coached up. It's all there, right? It's a good defensive mind, just a different way to get to it. Um, so when I was in Atlanta, he had, he had rescinded defensive play calling duties. He had kind of gone in a different direction. And I think, um, and he was just kind of purely a head coach. And, you know, during my time there, it got really bad defensively and he had to kind of re get back in the saddle and take on play calling duties again. And I think that's that's also a really good example of, you know, everyone talks about the Kyle Shanahan thing, but it also I think it's important to note, like they just paid Matt Ryan a lot of money. They just paid Julio Jones a lot of money. They just paid Jake Matthews a lot of money and they didn't really have a lot in terms of roster scaffolding outside of that. And I think like it was kind of the thing we're going to, you know, I think we'll talk about this later, maybe with Philly or with Dallas, like when you pay that guy a lot of money, it becomes really hard to make a roster around it. So near the end of that, like the roster just was not very talented. So it was really hard for us to be competitive in football games if Matt wasn't playing lights out, if Julio wasn't playing lights out, right? And I think that's something that, again, is something you got to learn from if you're him and kind of how we're going to build this team and, and issues, right? So it's not only the coordinator leaving, but it's also kind of the degradation of the roster after Kyle leaves because you got to pay good football players and they paid those guys a ton of money. So I think that, that, that that's kind of another element that needs to be considered in terms of how he built that team. And so when he was calling the defense, like it wasn't great, but I think it's also because the defense at the time wasn't very talented, you know, and I think we've seen here firsthand, like, you know, like just looking at these candidates, like, Ben Johnson, that offense, he's he's doing a lot of innovative stuff. Very talented group. McDonald, very talented in terms of what they yeah. have in Baltimore. Um, even in Dallas, a very very talented group. So I think that's all. That all has to be considered when kind of looking at the coach and looking at what's going to happen year one, year two, or th year three with them because they got to kind of build this sucker back up. Right. So I actually I think that's a good like pause timeout. Let's get yeah. more general for a second. The goal is to have good players. Yes, um, right. And they've got some here that feel like they've been terribly misused, um, mm -hmm. whether that's offensively or defensively. You just you just kind of look at the tape sometimes and you go, there's got to be a better way to do that than this. Like right. that that guy, whether it's 17, whether it's one, um, some of the stuff with Curtis when Scott was here, we were just like, right. how come you can't get him the ball more? Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes there's explanations of there's only so many balls to go around. Oh, they well, they ran 35 plays in the game because the defense yeah. do whatever. Like sometimes there's individual specific things, but on a macro level, I think it's a very fair criticism of right. the last four years to say there are talented players that have not been maximized. And also it is fair to say that the goal is in building a football team. This is earth shattering analysis is to have good it's, football players. It's true, though. I mean, it's when true. good coaching meets good players. That's when you win at a major level in this league. And so and, the fact that these guys have shown the ability to do this is ultimately a good thing. It's just it, it makes it a little harder on the evaluation to parse out how much of it is 
hey, they got great players versus, wow, they're really doing this with the X's and the O's and the coaching and the teaching and the motivating and, and all the other stuff that goes into it. Yeah, and I think, I think Dan, when you look at his resume, Quinn specifically, like think about how bad that defense was before it got there. You know, and I think one of the reasons it's better, it, it was like an overnight transformation in terms of production is because of how he's able to motivate guys. I think that's obvious, you know, when you look at him and his career. I think um, the, with Ben Johnson, it's a little bit more challenging to kind of parse out who's the motivating factor there. Is it a Dan Campbell? Is it him? Is it, you know, is Jared Goff this dynamic leader in that room? Does he fit that style? So I think that's where it becomes a little bit more challenging. I think Dan has shown his resume to me, the transitions he's gone through has shown that he can motivate guys at a high level. But again, you need talent. And I think that's the thing where you look at these teams, you look at um, Baltimore is a great example. Detroit's a great example on the offensive side of the football. They have pieces that I think are probably less talented in other locations, but they fit the vision of the coach. And I think yeah. that is why this relationship is so important. Like we can talk about resumes all we want, but it's really how does Adam Peters and whoever coach come in, communicate that vision? And then how does Adam Peters, because he's shown an ability to get the players you want in the organization, like at a high level, he's shown that he can do that. It's just yeah. about, does, is that coach able to, identify his vision, communicate that vision, and then let's build this roster out. Because I think you look at San Fran, and when I got there, you know, in 2017, that wasn't good. I think that was his first year, and Adam Peters, his first year. But Kyle, yeah, yeah. you better believe he's got a great vision for that roster, right? Great vision. And look at that roster now. It is it is an encapsulation of Kyle and his perspective on football. You know what I'm saying? And yep. that's because they had such a good working relationship. That's why, to me, again, the records, the – you know, the, the offensive innovation, all that's important, but it's what is your vision? Can we get it identified and can we get it communicated? And, and again, like I think Dan has shown an ability to do that. Um, I think uh, and Ben Johnson and McDonald, I don't know because I don't know them personally, but I like that's that to me is like the crux of the interview when they do this virtual interview later this week. For sure. All right, which brings us to the last guy who you also know personally that we know is interviewing uh, as we record this on Thursday today, and yep. that is Raheem Morris. Um, Ra is one of the most interesting coaching resumes of anybody in the National Football yeah. League. Um, he was a head coach at 33 in Tampa. Uh, it didn't go great. He had one 10-win season, but uh, the other two were, were pretty poor um, and ultimately let go pretty quickly. Um, he reemerges in Atlanta with Kyle and, and gets flipped over to the offensive side of the ball, which I would love to learn more about um, kind of that him coaching on that side of the ball because I mean, eventually he goes back to defense. So clearly like that wasn't yeah. his long-term future, but like that doesn't necessarily mean it went poorly and you yeah. were there. So like we can talk about that, um, but has reemerged with Sean McVay in LA uh, as the defensive coordinator had helped them win a super bowl. And every single person I know, which is, you know, a decent number relatively yeah. speaking because of his time here. Cause he was, he was here back on that staff in 2013. Um, Everyone loves the guy. Like, just everyone is like, Raheem Morris is one of the best dudes you will ever meet. Uh, so, what's the Raheem Morris profile? I'm going to tell you the same thing. He's an awesome dude. One of dude. the best dudes. Yeah. yeah. And he's awesome dude. He's super dynamic. He gets, he relates to players at a high level. You know, like, kind of wherever you're coming from. He just, he just has this kind of presence about him that's infectious, you know. And again, he's not... I haven't been with him when he's been, you know, the leader of the defense, but I think he was, you know, the receiver receiving coach, pass game coordinator. When he stands up in front of the room, he commands the room. He has a relationship with everybody on the roster. Like 
it's awesome, you know, and he's a smart football guy, you know, because that ability to go from offense to defense, I think, and then back – or from defense to offense, then back to defense, I think just speaks to his insight. Like, he was coaching receivers in Atlanta and getting guys better and improving play, and I think that's that's awesome. You know? So he so would I have been there, like, when Muhammad San- Sanu was, Sanu, like, emerging and doing yeah. – I mean, it's one thing to coach Julio Jones. I mean, to an extent, I could coach Julio Jones. Julio, go be awesome. Okay, good. Ready right. Um, but, yeah. like, the how Sanu grew and, and some of the other young guys in Atlanta, that's right. like, that was – that was tremendous. That's exactly right. And so he, I think he deserves obviously some credit for that. You know, like it's the player getting motivated, but also knowing how to speak to the player. And I was there and I saw like um, Zacchaeus, you know, who was like a, yeah. f- like a undrafted free agent kind of blossom under his tutelage. And he just found ways to kind of maximize guys and, and put guys in good positions. So again, I think he's a really bright dude. I think he relates to players at a high level. Um, I think he thinks football big picture high level which is what you want he's got kind of a little bit of um it's it's a little different flavor but it's kind of the sean mcveigh you know he's got this really dynamic charismatic personality that's a lot of fun to be around and that that gets guys excited to come to work and and again he's very passionate about football so um i think it's awesome i think it's great what he's done in uh, la you know when you look at some of the stuff they were doing early in the season having a hard time with coverage bus letting free runners and then as they made their playoff push just kind of batting on the hatches and and really coached it up and 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 that group developed, which is great to see. So I I got nothing but good things to say about him. You know, after I got cut, I remember he reached out to me the same day, said, "Man, it was great working with you for the year." And I, I appreciate that kind of stuff because I think there's a yeah. human element to this thing that often gets forgotten. And for him to kind of be able to hit on that and still be a, a good professional is is fantastic. So and and to me that fits kind of what. Adam Peters vision for the coaching staff is right. Or for, for the staff in general is we want to have good relationships. We want to be able to make tough decisions, but also remember the humanity of it. I think that speaks to that, that raw Raheem fits that. I think. Yeah. I like, he's, he's kind of my dark horse candidate that I really would be curious about because he has the network. We talked about McDonald. uh, Does he have the network? Like Raheem Morris knows everyone. Everybody loves him. Yeah. Like that dude would have no problem putting together putting together a bomb coaching staff. Right. And I do think the fact that he would probably be running like he would be demanding of running the Kyle slash Sean, some offshoot of that offense. Sure. And there are plenty of guys around the league that are capable of being the OC there. So if all of a sudden you get someone who moves on, you do have the ability to keep some level of continuity. But he's plugged into those trees. He knows everybody. He's someone that people want to work with and for. And unlike, like, not to be, not to to feel like I'm putting down Dan Quinn at all, but like Dan Quinn to me fits the the retread more than Raheem Morris does. Sure. Like Rog Rog got the head coaching job when he was 33 years old and didn't really get the best shake down in Tampa of yeah. it. Um, and, and and he'll tell you he didn't handle that well. Like you know he'll yeah. he'll, he'll be very honest. And I think again the self awareness to be like you know I didn't I could have done it better. That is always important to hear from a coach, you know, and I think um, taking personal accountability is a big deal. Like, in, in not from co- like for coaches, obviously, but in any type of leadership position. And I think all the guys we're talking about that I know um, are that way. And I think the, t- the organization would be very lucky to get any of them. But um, I, I do understand what you're saying about the Dan Quinn thing. Like, Dan. Yeah. Dan, Dan will be 54 at, this year. Yeah. Um, Raheem Morris is going to be, I mean, at this point, no, that, that, that Tampa thing was a long freaking yeah. time ago. Um, yeah. He is going to be 48 this year. Um, but that's still like, I mean, it, it, if he's your coach for 15 years, like 
he's still a decade younger than Belichick is right now. And Pete Carroll is right now. So, yeah. um, you know, when you're looking for like the young youthful energy, even though he was a head coach a decade ago, like you, you check that box with Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn's got tremendous energy. Um, he, he brings a, a I mean, dude wears his hat backwards. What more could you want? Um, but you know, it, it's different. I like to me, Raheem Morris isn't a retread. He's a, he's a guy that's been around for a long time who happened to be a head coach a long time ago. Right. No, I, I definitely understand that where that's coming from. And I, I think it's like with both those guys, like, I think, I think, they'll, I think, you know, Dan probably is, I would imagine him getting a head coaching job this cycle, but I hope the same thing for Raheem. I think yeah. because of the things you're talking about, I think he is an innovative guy. I think he's smart. I think he's a good leader. I think all those things are super important. And um, I think the maturity you mentioned, you know, he got the job when he was 33. And I think I remember talking to him, he said, you know, wish I'd just been a little bit more mature about it. And I, again like now he's here you know what is that 12 13 years later whatever the math is there like that's yeah. a big deal so um I, I'm, I'm excited i hope i hope they both get jobs i think they both deserve jobs um and it just depends on whether it's the right fit here in washington or not for sure um you know all the reporting is that johnson is the favorite i think a lot of that is just simple math of he's the number one guy and almost like kind of the consensus yeah. number one um it right. seems to be the number one opening so we'll see it would be really nice if raw or slowick got it and finally that 2013 2012 washington staff picture gets to finally like so many teams have reaped the benefits can yeah. can, can we be one of them here <laughs> that would be cool yeah that would be cool and it's uh, you know it's funny you talk about bobby i think bobby's probably a year away, you know, but I mean, if the iron's hot and the situation's right, good for Bobby. So yeah, but I, I think, I think they both deserve long story short. I think they both deserve head coaching shots. It just depends on whether it's the right, right fit here, I think. And, uh, you know, only the only person who knows that or the only people who know that are Josh Harris and, uh, Adam Peters. So yeah. we'll get an answer sooner rather than later. Yeah. And they don't know it yet. Cause they still got a bunch of interviews to do. Right. Um, and like we talked about, uh, especially with McDonald, like the interview portion is extremely important because you are interviewing for a different job than you have like it is yeah. coordinator and head coach are different jobs so we've seen it all across nfl history um and, and understanding as adam peters certainly does like what an nfl head coach looks like um and and do does this person meet, meet those qualifications is something they'll have to suss out in these interviews uh what they won't have to do is compete with philadelphia and dallas for head coaching positions especially dallas we know that for sure it looks like nick sirianni is probably safe in philadelphia as we record this uh famous last words sorry nick that you apparently just got fired because we jinxed it uh but no it looks like sirianni is going to be safe in philadelphia and they're going to look to replace the coordinators so uh what we're going to do is play a little nfc east would you rather uh aka who would you rather be the Eagles or Cowboys that just flamed out of the playoffs or the Commanders with this fresh slate ahead or the Giants in whatever state they're in. Uh, we will suss that out next. All right, that is uh, that would be next if you were listening to the actual podcast, but uh, you're not you're listening to the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 live radio. If you want that, uh, just you know, go listen to that on demand anytime, anywhere after uh, seven o'clock when we're done tonight. I mean, technically you can before, I guess, but we love to keep you here on the radio. Where next we will discuss our NFL tiers. Uh, Vic and I established that when Anthony was out last week, Anthony now gets to come in and. Uh, be all high and mighty and tell us where we were wrong. Uh, we take our four tiers, uh, their likelihood of winning and reaching the Super Bowl. We rank the remaining NFL playoff teams next here on the team at 980. Still to come on the back half of this here Hoffman show as we've reached the 
the top of the mountain. Now we'll scare our way down. Our NFL tiers in 60 seconds. Dave Johnson joins us from Madison Square Garden at 6 p.m. And then coming up at 6.30, our pal Mike Yam, host of NFL Total Access on NFL Network, joins us for his perspective on the Adam Peters uh, signing for Washington as general manager. Mike used to be based in the Bay Area when he was working for Pac-12 Network. And obviously he's been in NFL Network for quite a while now, so knows plenty of people who know Adam and kind of has a good feel for everything out there on the West Coast for how the 49ers have built that dynasty and what Peters brings to Washington. Uh, other than that, uh, we we get to our NFL tiers, Anthony. And uh, it was kind of interesting when we were setting this up last week. Uh, this We did this on Thursday when obviously you were gone. So Vic was here. And the the settings, if you will, are the same. It's just you kind of you enforce them a little bit more. Uh, so what winds up happening is we have our, our four... Uh, categories. We have prime contenders. We have puncher's chance. We have interesting but not good enough. And then we have no chance. And you wind up like asking the same questions. Does this team have a chance to win the Super Bowl? Nope. No chance. Like it would have to be crazy. Then they go in interesting but not good enough. Uh, then you have uh, puncher's chance which is you know like unlikely but I can see it. And then you have prime contenders like wouldn't be surprised if they wind up there. And you still wind up with kind of an even distribution of teams. But I think what uh, we're about to find out, Anthony, is some teams that might need to move. And uh, there's also some teams that we clearly rank too high. So with that, there it goes. Helps with the faders on. Not great. Not great for me. Uh, I, I actually honestly think that was, that was bad enough that that's a five. That's a five-point illegal procedure penalty. Oh, oh, on me. Uh, the good thing is on the fine board. Are we, we can, tied? We can take that off. Uh, we're not owed ourselves lunch anymore because Anthony and I got some today. Nope, you are still five points ahead. Mm. Uh, I have forty. You have forty-five, which means our total now is eighty-five, and we are one really heinous uh, crime against the Hoffman show away from. Us needing yet another lunch. Mm. You hate to see it. You truly do, man. Back over there. Let's get into it. Uh, All right. Start at the top, start at the bottom. Uh, I think it's easier to start at... uh, It's a great question because we got a team that's at the top that belongs at the bottom. That That is true. So our prime contenders going into last weekend were the Bills. Yep. The Cowboys. Oh, y'all had the Bills over the Chiefs? Yeah, with the way they've been playing offensively. That's fair. I, I don't think that was. It's not too, it's nothing crazy, crazy. But it's no. just crazy because the Chiefs have remained as a prime contender all season long. And then we get to the playoffs and now we want to bump them down. Well, that's the thing is like it's playoff it's playoff caliber, right? Yeah. The the lines get finer. I mean, interesting but not good enough. Some of the teams that we had in there were in puncher's chance or prime contenders for most of the year, but we got by the time you got to the playoffs, they weren't the same anymore. Actually, we nailed that category. Um get to it in a moment. We had the the Bills, the Cowboys, the Ravens, the 49ers. Obviously, the Ravens and the 49ers are the one seeds. Nothing changes there. The Bills looked fantastic. Uh and honestly, even though they had a couple big mistakes, like, if they played a cleaner football game, they win that game 45 nothing. Uh, and then there's the Cowboys. 
Whoops. Whoopsie daisies. Mm. I really thought they were different this year. And I I oh, realized you fell that for leaves. the banana in, Oh man. I did. I fell for the banana in the tailpipe. There was a maturity and a professionalism that they played with all year that oh, I, I shouldn't even say all year. Maybe it now now in hindsight it's easier to see because they didn't win as much on the road, obviously, as they did at home. Nope. But also they were at home. They had lost at home in two years, bro. And they didn't just lose. <laughs> they got whackified. Yeah. They got wrecked. Mm-hmm. What did Matt like what did Dan Quinn ever do to Matt LaFleur? I don't know, but we've seen a lot of open receivers. We saw a lot of gaping holes on the offensive line of the Packers. And the thing is, they've been susceptible to the run all season long. So we should have all we should have just been aware. Like the Packers are probably going to try to run the ball, and they're probably going to have some success. And uh, we didn't know they were going to have that much success. Duh. I mean, they did it to him a couple years ago. Exactly. Always. Always. (laughs) Like, every time. The the Packers were just so young, and they are so young, and we're going to have to talk about them here in a minute. Um, But they're so young. They're going into Dallas. At home, Dallas had played with, like, this toughness and this this edge all year. And I fell for the banana in the tailpipe. And so did Vic. Vic was right there with me. Yep. I mean, I probably would have been there right with you as well, to be honest. I did choose the Cowboys to win the game, so. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. So, the Cowboys uh, are not prime contenders. Uh, I kind of just want to keep everybody where they are. Actually, I don't know. Because, like, I want to keep everybody where they are and highlight, like, what we started the thought of the, at the start of the playoffs. Um, and see how we did, as opposed to moving teams around. If that makes sense? Yeah, okay. Um, so, there's that. Uh, puncher's Chance. We had Chiefs. We had Lions. I think that we did pretty good there. I am very curious, obviously, to see how... like And, like, doing this next week is silly because we're in the conference championship games, right? Yeah. So we're not going to... We'll, we'll probably do the segment next week, but everyone at that point is a prime contender. You're one game away from the Super Bowl. Um, and we'll kind of review how we did and what we missed and what prevailed and what didn't. Um, it's not like we're going to rank everybody next week. So Chiefs and Lions... I mean, with the Chiefs... They played a banged-up Miami team, a warm-weather team in the cold, a team built for speed in the freezing cold, down to guys that weren't even on the team the entire season starting at linebacker for them. Pretty hilarious quote from Hard Knocks last night. One of the reporters down in Miami goes, Hey, Mike, uh, talking to McDaniel, obviously. He goes, Hey, Mike, if you look at the math, uh, it seems like you guys are going to have someone who wasn't here last week playing on Saturday. And Mike goes, yeah, that's good math. Math checks out. It's it's nuts. So, did did the Chiefs figure out their offense all of a sudden? Or did they just face the Miami Dolphins in January of 2024? I don't know. I it's, The Bills are a much better test. Do I think the Chiefs can win the game? Absolutely. Do I have a weird, sinking, funny feeling that the Chiefs are going to win the game? Yeah, but that's also just kind of... That's what Mahomes does in the playoffs. He wins. Um, but at the same time, like I, if I'm tr- if I'm trying to take biases and really be objective about it and not look at previous seasons and all that kind of stuff, the Bills have been awesome 
since the middle of the season. The Chiefs have been pretty mediocre. I think they're both in the right category. I think we did, I think we did it right. I like the Chiefs here um, as well. And even in the game against the Dolphins, I wouldn't say the Chiefs have found, you know, the answers on offense because guess what? They're still dropping passes. Uh, I think Pacheco ran the ball 24 times for like 89 yards. That is something that I give Andy Reid a ton of credit for. Yeah. We know he doesn't want to run it, but he will. Yep. And he always has been that way. Uh Uh-huh. Always. Uh, Maybe not always remembered it in some big moments as some Eagles fans are screaming from back in the day. But since he's been in Kansas City, he's always been willing to go back to that that formula if he needs it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I liked it, but I just think they need to execute more efficiently on the offensive side of the ball because they're going to they're not going to be going against uh, Tua, who was shell-shocked. They're going against Josh Allen, who's been here, who's battle-tested who wants some revenge on yeah. the Chiefs because I'm, they keep knocking knocking them out of the playoffs. I am less concerned about the Chiefs' defense. Like, I am concerned about the Chiefs' defense because they're playing the Bills' offense. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more tomorrow when we pick the games, obviously. But, like, the Bills' offense is nasty, but the Chiefs' defense is nasty. Yeah. Like, that's that's good on good. Um, I, the drop passes thing, I think, is, is really fascinating to me because was Travis Kelsey and, you know, he's been more sure-handed than a lot of the other ones, but, like, he had three drops last week. A couple other guys had yep. drops. Was that because it was minus a thousand degrees outside, and they were catching a rock thrown at you by Patrick Mahomes at fifty miles an hour is probably very difficult, despite all the gloves and all of the things trying to keep your hands warm. Yeah, that has something to do with it. Travis said on uh, on New Heights that uh, what's her kicker's name, Harrison Butker, had bruises on his foot just from kicking off and kicking the field goals because the ball was so hard. So. Have they figured out the timing and rhythm? And if they play in even a 20-degree Buffalo this week, like it's better than it was in minus three with minus 27 wind chill. That's really what I don't know. Like how much of it was weather? How much of it was Miami defense? Like what concoction made the Chiefs look alive on offense last week? Um, and how does it translate into into this week against Buffalo? But that's why I think they belong in puncher's chance is because I can't rely on that. I can't yeah. rely on their offense. Mm-hmm. Um All right, as for the Lions, we'll discuss them and everybody else that we haven't discussed and where they belong because we definitely had some upset wins as well. Packers, we'll talk about them next. It's the NFL Tears on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. First, a look at what's trending. Dave Johnson joins us at the top of the hour. So much to talk about with Dave. The Wizards, since the last time we've had Dave on, not only the Wizards played a couple games um, between Commander's News and uh, those games being on the weekends, et cetera, we haven't had a chance to talk to him, but they've also made a big trade. Uh, so we'll get all of that from Dave live from Madison Square Garden coming up at the top of the hour. Continuing now with our NFL tier rankings. Again, a reminder of how they work. Prime contenders, no surprise if they win the Super Bowl. Puncher's chance, like, eh, we could see it, but it'd be unlikely. Interesting, but not quite good enough. Uh, kind of self-explanatory, like, eh, but like, no. And then no chance. Well, they got... No chance. We did our, our pre-playoff rankings. Bills, Cowboys, Ravens, 49ers uh, were our prime contenders. Obviously, we were very wrong about the Cowboys. Uh, we talked about the Chiefs at the end of the last segment, uh, which leaves us, Anthony, with the Lions and then a bunch of teams plus the Packers who and, and Bucks, uh, by the way, uh, who lost. So, uh, Lions, I, I think this is still correct. Puncher's chance. I think they just have it. They, like they lack playoff experience for me to see them as like a true prime contender. 
But they have grit. They have toughness. They know who they are. They play to that every single week. I just don't know when push comes to shove if they're a year away. And I also do wonder then, like, if they're a year away, are they uh, a year off of what they needed because they're going to lose Ben Johnson and possibly Aaron Glenn, their coordinators, and we've seen in Philadelphia how big of a hit that is. So I just think Detroit's kind of in a spot where they kind of need this to be their year. Um, but at the same time, it's going to be very difficult uh, because I don't think they're quite on the level of San Francisco, Baltimore, uh, and even even Buffalo. Yeah, I, I think coming into the playoffs, I would have definitely left them here. And it's for everything you said. They don't necessarily have a lot of – you know, championship uh, pedigree. Um, they're they're fairly young, and uh, they're just you know. How would I like to? I think they are you know the OKC in 2011. I, I think they're Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. They're like the the up and coming stars. They're fun to you know watch. Yeah, they got Hutchinson, Amon Ross, exactly. St. Brown. They got some talent over there. A bunch of hungry dudes who are already good but hadn't even been paid yet. Exactly. So I, I think that's where they are. And uh, I think, you know, down the road, this experience this year, I think will be good for them. But this year, I, I don't think they're there just yet. Yeah, but I think there's a great chance they're in the NFC Championship game because yep. um, I think they're better than Tampa, Uh huh. which we'll get to in a second. Um we, we nailed interesting but not quite good enough. A bunch of teams that were good all year uh, or hot – and then just not playing well down the stretch or came up against a better unit. Rams came up against a better team in the Lions. Uh, the Eagles and the Dolphins just were not the same teams they were when they were two of the first teams to clinch playoff spots earlier this year. Injuries matter. And I think with the Eagles specifically, it's a reminder of how much coaching matters. Steichen and Gannon were incalculable losses for them. And they did such a bad job of replacing them. And... They lost who they were, and and I think that's like that's an indictment of Sirianni is uh, not only as a hirer but as a as an overseer, and it's something that if I was interviewing head coaching candidates for the Commanders or anybody else, I would talk about that. It's like, hey, I know your coordinators are your most important hire, right? Like, you head coach candidate are my most important hire if I'm Adam Peters. Like, Harris is most important hire, Peters. Peter's most important hire, head coach. Head coach's most important hire, coordinators. But the nature of success in the NFL means you lose people. You lose players because they get expensive and you can't sign them all. And you lose coordinators because they get better, they get head coaching jobs. So, hey, we plan on being successful. How do I know that I can trust you to keep consistent even when other people leave? And part of that, like if you're if you're a Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay, the way they've set up their organizations is, well, I'm going to also be a coordinator. I'm going to set up systems so that the jobs I'm replacing are scheduling and running some of the meetings. But at the end of the day, like I'm still the play caller. I'm designing the offense. We're going to have continuity. And defensively, I have a way of thinking that I know there's a, enough people in this league that can do it that... I won't have a problem hiring someone like that's got to be an answer. But if the answer is like, Oh, I know a bunch of people and we could go this way. We could go that way. That candidate's done for me. Like Brian Johnson is a very smart, bright coach. It seems uh, the Eagles quarterbacks coach. And he got um, interviewed. Where was it? Maybe Carolina. He got, he was interviewed somewhere today and he's been interviewed by multiple people. That's great for him. 
like he's going to need a new job, bro, because he ain't going to be the OC in Philly. But it's also on Sirianni for letting Brian Johnson take Jalen Hurts to a place that Jalen Hurts wasn't ready to go. They should have leaned on that O line and ran the ball. DeAndre Swift was their best player when they were ten and one. Why didn't you continue to lean on him? I don't get it. And that's to me is like a head coach level thing that a lot of these coaches mess up. Uh, and that's why the Eagles are going home. Uh, and that's why they were an interesting but not quite good enough. And we nailed that. Uh, all right, that leaves then you know obviously Texans uh, or sorry Browns Steelers uh, goodbye nailed those. Then we got Texans Packers and Bucks Anthony who we put in no chance. Did we make mistakes there, or were, were they good enough to win one playoff game, and now they're going to face better competition, and good luck, good night, we're going to be all right and not look silly at the end? Uh, I think matchups-wise, they got a little lucky. Um, well, for the Texans and Bucks, the Packers, I think them winning was more so a thriller um, and, like, super um, shocking. Uh, but they, they did play well down the stretch, so – I guess we can give them credit for that because it's all about, you know, how you're playing in December and all three of these teams. Well, I can't necessarily even say the Texans or the Bucks. I just think stylistically they matched up well. Styles make fights. When they get into that next round, let's see if they prevail. Night-night. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think that actually hilariously <laughs> underneath this hoodie, I'm wearing the, my Steph Curry night-night T-shirt, uh, the Curry brand one. Oh, wow. uh, that that would have been, been nice to just pop that real quick. Anyway. Uh, can like it's gonna be really I would imagine really easy to be like yeah we were right on Green Bay after this week even though what they just did to Dallas was tremendously impressive because like they're gonna run San Francisco it's probably a buzzsaw or this comment's gonna look really stupid in a couple days and we'll get some calls from Packers fans oh, man. Um, but like that's part of the reason why we did this it wasn't so much a disrespect to these teams it was like look realistically Am I going to pick them to beat? Am I going to pick the Packers to go in and beat the 49ers and beat, let's say, the Lions? No. So even if they won a game, like, they're not going anywhere. Um, and the same is true with the Texans. Like, you know, obviously, I thought they could win last weekend, but we put them in no chance because at the end of the day, they're a young team that's going to come up against teams that are significantly better than them. Mm -hmm. um, that said, if I had to pick one of these teams that I wish we had put in a different category, Ooh. it would have been Houston. I would have put Houston in interesting but not quite, but not good enough. And I would agree because I think if you, if CJ is fully staffed and loaded with his, his weapons – I think they're really interesting and might not be good enough, but I wouldn't say they definitively But they're going to be a pain in the ass. Man, they're going to be nasty. They so, get Tank, they get Noah. Whew. Yeah. No, I I definitely – I mean, obviously, Tank is tank is done, right? That's, yeah, he's yeah, he's, back. yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, like long-term, sure. But in the context of these playoffs, they're, mm -hmm. they're just not good enough yet. Yeah. But I do wish that we had put them up. So, Texans fans – Sorry. Uh Packers and Bucks, like Packers maybe that like Texans Packers Bucks in that order would be the how I'd rank those teams. Uh I think that's probably pretty obvious to most people. Um but and then again like I don't know. The Packers maybe we should be maybe actually reconsider that. Maybe the Packers would be the team that's Like if the Packers and Texans played this weekend, who would you pick? Between those two teams? Yeah. I think I'd actually pick the Packers. I think I would pick the Texans. I'm super torn on that. Texans got a good run defense. I don't know. If That's they're, true. They're just as physical. So I, I don't know. I think I will lean Texans. 
I don't know. It'd be it'd be fun. Good matchup between D'Amico and what they got going defensively in the floor. And then what can CJ do? Uh, love also, that. obviously. Yep. Super fun to watch as a young quarterback in this league. All right. Uh, those are our NFL power rankings. Uh, that's the last time we'll do the tiers. We'll review them next week. But when you're down to four, everyone gets to be a prime contender at that point. Uh, but we'll review them coming up on Thursday next week. All right. When we get back, Dave Johnson joins us live from New York, Madison Square Garden, Knicks and Wizards tonight. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always alive as well on the free Odyssey app. So, uh, I don't know who gets fined here. But uh, I thought we were having Dave Johnson here. Apparently, we're having Dave at 615. Um, to Anthony's credit, this is the final hour of this radio show. And honestly, with the way things just went in that commercial break, in the last 15 seconds, while that song was playing, while, while uh, Harry Styles was playing there, uh, thank God this is the final hour of the show today. Uh, it will be great, though. Dave is going to join us at 615, and Mike Yam is going to join us at 630. So we got great guests coming up to carry us home. But um, I kind of kept looking at the call screener, and I was like, is he going to call Dave? I mean, it's a road game. Dave isn't on the Comrex like he is when he's at home. Is he going to call him? What's going on here? And so I look at Anthony, and he kind of looks at me, and I was like, He's looking at me like, what are you looking at me for? Talk, you idiot. It's a radio show. It's called The Hoffman Show. Not Even though I contribute a lot, it's not The Craig and Anthony Show. It is The Hoffman Show. Like You need to talk now. I'm playing the open for the hour. And um, I'm like, get on the, our little intercom system. And I'm like, attention, passengers. Actually, we don't have to do that for our, uh, our intercom system. I just hit a button, and then I talk like a normal person to Anthony. But that's a fun little radio trick that we can do. We go, I sound like an airline pilot. And I said the word intercom. And now I'm making dad jokes. Jesus Christ, this would be so much better if we had Dave Johnson right now. Um, And I look at Anthony and I was like, you're going to call Dave? And he's like, I thought he was at 615. And so to your credit, Anthony, on the rundown, I do believe Dave said it says Dave at 615 or initially it did. However, as I stare at the rundown right now that's in front of me, the, the, not the Google Sheet, but the Google Doc, we have a Google Sheet that just lists like kind of topics and an actual document where we flush out our notes. 6 p.m., guest Dave Johnson previews Wizards Knicks. I have for two hours on this show been saying, Dave Johnson, 6 p.m., and not once have you gotten in my ear and been like, hey, man, by the way, Dave's at 6.15. So the more I look at it, I got I got paper evidence and I got audio evidence that this 10-point fine is going on your ledger, sir. Ooh, that is steep. Is uh, it fair, though? To be honest, I think it is fair because, listen to my rationale, <laughs> you might be... You might sympathize with me. At For those that are uh, listening, which is most of you, as opposed to the few of you that are watching or the percentage of you watching on YouTube, I am already, I have the fine board in front of me. We're about to put the points on, but go ahead. Give me your defense. We're out the sentencing hearing. You've already been found guilty. Initially, we had Mike Yam at 6. We had TBD at 6.15, and we had Dave at 6.30. Correct. When I went into the dock, all I did was swap those two, and I forgot to swap the TBD with Dave. 
So that's why Dave is still listed at 6 p.m. as opposed to 6.15. I think we got I got sidetracked. So your defense for why I should have sympathy for you is you did a bad job at your job. I think we got sidetracked. What did we get sidetracked by? <laughs> I think Zaire called. I think that's what it was. That's true. We did have a fun football discussion with Zaire I, Franklin. I think, I think that's where. That's not good enough. What, what, let me ask you this. What would Z say to that excuse? Oh, He would just say, excuses are the monuments to nothingness. That's a good line. That's what he would say. Well, oh, shoot. I uh, You gave yourself 10? I did, but it's okay. You can I, keep five. I caught the error. Um, honestly, the, our biggest issue right now is our markers dying. I was hoping I would never have to pay the majority of the bill, and this is the first time. You are, you've already locked that up. I know. And with five more fine points, considering today, oh, man, this marker is like dead, dead. Like, it's totally out of ink. Mm. Mm. Uh, five more points, sir, and you... Uh, I'll be there. I don't why I'm trying to write anymore. There's got to be another marker somewhere. This one's in the trash. Oh, I just totally missed the trash can down there, but it's all right. I'll get it in the break. Um, yeah, so that's that's why we don't have Dave Johnson right now. But the good news is we're going to have him in five minutes. What are we going to do in the two and a half minutes we need to fill here, Anthony? Uh, you have re- This is your chance to get five points reduced off your fine by really? producing the radio show. I need a segment now. I needed it five minutes ago. I've killed as much time as I can. Uh, I think we should talk about who do you think is most likely to get traded if the Wizards are going to do any more trades. Oh, that's easy. Tyus Jones. Think so? I think Tyus and Delon are the easiest. I think a fun discussion that. Where would you like sh- to see him go? I don't care. I oh, care what yeah. comes back. Yeah, that too. Here's here's the question: Would you trade Tyus for anything less than a first? I would. If like, but I would not trade him anywhere before what time is the deadline? Three o'clock? Four o'clock? I think it's four yeah, o'clock four. on on the eighth. But, yep. Um. Like, if I have an offer for a bunch of seconds or whatever on the seventh, I'm like, either give me give me a first and we're done, or call me back tomorrow at 358 if you haven't heard of another Tyus Jones trade. It's risky because then you wind up maybe having to keep him through the summer. Um, and he is a pending free agent, I believe. Um, something I should know. Um, but I haven't, my basketball capness has not been as sharp of late because we've been doing so much football and the Wizards have been more back of mind, the top of mind. But yes, I am correct. Um, this is the final year of his contract. So you, you have to trade him or you lose him for nothing, which is the whole point in kind of acquiring him was, you know, trade or was to eventually trade him. Mm-hmm. But uh, for, for, him, I would want a first back. Delon, you get what you can get. Although I think he, like, if I'm looking for a backup point guard, I would almost be more interested in Delon than Tyus, depending on depending on the team. Like, if you're if you're a team that needs someone to run an off a second unit, Tyus is great. If you need like Delon. an extra wing defender, guard defender type, Delon's one of the better guys in the league for that. Yeah, um, which is hilarious because they're too they're stuck here doing not a lot of anything. 
um, for this roster, but they could be very helpful on a better team. I just think the Wizards, for us to, I guess, get ready for the future, we we need to start putting things in motion. For sure. So, I do think people need to, like, we'll talk about this with David a, a little bit too because they obviously just made the trade with the Pistons, and it's like you take the super high upside swing on a guy like Bagley. He was a former number two overall pick. But you just you just swing a lot, and that's what these second-round picks are. Like, they're swings. You know, if you wind up trading for 14 second-round picks and one of them turns into a Draymond Green or a Nikola Jokic or even, like, remember Michael Redd back in the day? Yep. Like, all, he was an all-star whose career got cut way short by injury. But, like, you don't even need him to be Hall of Fame players. But you get an all-star in the second round, like, that's a sick second-round pick. And there's a couple of them floating around the NBA. But, like, you take gigantic swings at lottery tickets with those guys. Um, but also this is what the good teams do. Like I don't, if someone like Will Dawkins would have to explain the value of it in, you know, more eloquently than I am, but like in OKC, they just took, took on a bunch of second rounders and took on bad contracts and eventually it worked out. You just create flexibility by doing that. So, um, at the end of the day, like trade ties for what you can trade the for what you can. Kuz is the one that, that becomes really fun. If you can get two firsts for him, which I think is feasible mm. considering what Pascal Siakam just got. Like, how much different are they as players? Siakam's got a ring. Siakam is a Who better offensive to? player. That's true. But Siakam was a bigger part of his ring. Yeah. Um, he was probably second best player on that team behind Kawhi. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kyle Lowry has something to say about that. But, like, much better defender, better offensive player. But if he's worth three plus Bruce Brown, is Kyle worth two? Probably. Yeah, I can see it. Is he, you know, is Kyle Kuzma 70 to 80% of the basketball player that Pascal Siakam is? Yeah. So that's the fun one. Is, is does any team, ironically enough, I think the Lakers would be a very interesting fit. Um, I think the Warriors are a little bit interesting for Kuz too, um, considering, and both those teams have recent trade history with the Wizards, um, different regimes, but you get it. Actually, no, the, the pool trade was with this one. So point is like, there's interesting stuff there for sure. Um, but I think the most likely 100% chance Tyus Jones is traded and like a 98% chance that DeLon is. All right. Dave Johnson is, you know, actually next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always streaming live on the free Odyssey app. We're streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And now, officially, without any argument or confusion, it is time for Dave Johnson to join the program. Time to get the radio party started. Blocked by Bilal Koulibaly. Oh, oh boy, did he stuff him. Left wing pool, wow. there. Oh, that's a pool party. Into the basket, slam right in. Oh, there's a steal on the oh, slam. You better go off. Intercepted by Kispert. Kispert now, foul line. Oh, slam. Ooh, that'll dry your preserves. It's time for Dave Johnson on a Wizards game day. Kuzma for three. Oh, it's there. On the Hoffman Show. Dave joins us from the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden in New York, where tonight the Wizards will take on the Knicks at 7.30. Dave, how are you, sir? You're doing well. And it is a special place. It's New York City. It's Madison Square Garden. 
you know, you walk around and the, the pictures of all the memories of the Big East tournaments and all the. Oh, don't remind me, Dave. I'm yeah, an no, old Syracuse guy. Come on, guy. don't do that to me. Yeah, I, know. I know I shouldn't do that to you, but it, it is a, it is a special special arena. People always ask me about you know basketball arenas, and and uh, I always point out that that it's not like baseball stadiums where you know baseball stadiums are referred to as cathedrals, uh, but. A basketball arenas, there's a lot of similarity uh, from arena to arena, but Madison Square Garden from the ceiling is, is truly a special place. No, it is, and, and God, the, the Big East memories I have there for sure are, are incredible um, back in the day uh, before Syracuse left for, eh, we don't even talk about it. Uh, so, Dave, yeah. there's been so much that's happened since we last spoke uh, with games on the weekend, and uh, obviously you have the trade, and I'm curious, you know, your initial thoughts on, the first, we know there's gonna. Th- this is the first of a couple that is likely going to come between now and the, the NBA's trade deadline early next month. But what did you make of this deal, bringing in a couple of players from Detroit? Well, this is uh, this is what the process is, is going to be all about, uh, and it's it, you know maybe the blockbuster deal will happen, but don't don't. It's not always about the blockbuster deals. Or are the deals that you know or we we used to do with post game callers that say, well, why don't we send two draft picks? to the Lakers for LeBron James or something, because those things uh, don't work out. But uh, what what for the Wizards, uh, you, you knew at the start of the season, and they knew, too, Mike Muscala, Danilo Gallinari, that they might not see out this, uh, this season. That, that you know, the, depending on how things went for them, some team pushing for the playoffs might say, you know what, we could use one of these guys. Uh, in, in this case, uh, Detroit gets expiring contracts. The Wizards, though, get two players that are still very much in their prime, you know, still let's use that old cliche, the upside, still very much have an upside. And and it's not a long-term commitment, but, you know, it's a chance, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's, it's a free look at, at uh, Marvin Bagley and, and Isaiah Livers. Now, when I say free, you're still paying him $12.5 million a year in the case of Bagley, so uh, it's free in relative NBA terms. Uh, but, again, in the case of Bagley, here's a guy who was already first team in 2018-2019. You know, what level is he going to go to? Is it going to be the next level, or a year from now will the Wizards be moving on from him? Or where is Livers going to go? This this is, you know, part of when we talk about how teams get better in the NBA, uh, that's how it happens. You you make the right moves, you make the right trades, and you, and you get um, – Quite frankly, I was going to use the term lucky, but you, you get the, the situation where the, the player comes to you and it's the right fit and opportunity. That's what this league is all about. Again, you know, Kyle Kuzma with the Lakers had one role. He comes to the Wizards. It's a different role, and he can graduate to that role. Some players get that opportunity and don't graduate. So certainly opportunity is going to be here for Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Livers. For sure. And, you know, I'm curious. Uh, I don't mean to be patronizing when I use this term. I, I mean this in a compliment. Like, I wonder how much of the trade on the liver side of it is a buddy system deal. Um, we learned the other day, uh, I know Chase Hughes, uh, his video of this, of Liver's intro, got a lot of run, that uh, Livers and Jordan Poole are best friends. They were roommates back at Michigan. And we've talked so much this year about Jordan and trying to kind of allow him to find his groove after the, the tumult of last year in Golden State. Um, has anyone talked uh, about, you know, Obviously, Livers is a, is a, a full NBA player in his own right. Uh, but how much of this trade and, and specifically targeting him has to do with trying to help Jordan refine himself? 
I, you know, I, I understand the question, but I don't think it had anything to do with it. I, and I think, you know, we still have a whole another half of the season, and, and Jordan Poole is, is, is getting into more of a rhythm on both uh, ends of the floor, and it's, it's not about Jordan Poole, uh, you know, not happy here in, in, in D.C. and needing a, a buddy or a best friend or that type of thing. In fact, you know, Isaiah Livers, you know, shared that when at first uh, Jordan Poole came here back in the fall, he was talking about how much he liked the Wizards organization and, and how, you know, that it, it is an adjustment coming from, you know, one situation in Golden State to a, a totally 180 situation um, in, in Washington. But but, that, but he knew he was coming to that. It was not a surprise. Again, what, what, but what the Wizards are going through is not, um, uh, a surprise. This is a team that, that's not winning. We know why it's not winning. Uh, as we talk about Marvin Bagley coming here, um, uh, you know, I've said that the, the reason the Wizards' record isn't better is is because they give up too many second chance points, and they I, I don't know how many games this year they've actually won the rebounding battle. I think it's only like two or three. Uh, and you can't, you know, as much as we talk about stats, rebounding is, is such a part of the game, and that's you know, I, I had a uh, guy show up at the Caesar Sportsbook the other night, and he was, you know, yelling at me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, uh, you got to give credit to the other team. And, and uh, you know, I, it's not that the, the Wizards don't want to be a better rebounding team, but, you, you you know, sometimes the other team has better rebounding talent. Um, and in, in most cases, every team does. So that's that's what a challenge on the Wizards. So tonight, <laughs> speaking of which, uh, we've got the Knicks. And, and then uh, no Daniel Gafford tonight because of a concussion. So Marvin Bagley is going to start tonight mm. um, for the Wizards. So uh, the arrival of Bagley will certainly, I believe, help in that category. And, and getting back to Liver's point, you know, the, the kind of role he plays is, uh, is a role that's much coveted in the NBA. So, again, he's going to get a chance with the Wizards. Uh, we are the land of opportunity in terms of <laughs> – we're trying to, to figure out who's going to be on this, this bus long term. And, and this is a process that you can point to that has been successful with teams that have successfully gone to rebuilds. Now, again, we caution as we just played Detroit. Uh, Detroit, uh, you know, is in a situation where they're like, oh, wait a minute. We went through three years and we're, we're still not better. So, you know, that's, that's why the pressure is on. You, know, you hope that one of these players hits. That that okay, we get a player in his prime, and he's and he's better than he was in in, in previous stops. So he's he's back to a level that that he can play at. And if if we talk, I believe we talked to Marvin Bagley. You know, he he definitely believes uh, that he's excited about this opportunity because he knows the script is is wide open in Washington. And and this is again, this is what we signed up for in terms of if we had. When I say we, the Wizards, if Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma, if we ran it back again, and they stayed healthy, there's no question in my mind. You know, that's that's a playoff team. But how far? You know, this this is a, a dramatic um, situation the Wizards are in, where they're saying, no, no, we're starting over, and, and that means uh, we're going to have to go through a season like this. And uh, some of the best moves, when we look back in hindsight, will not be blockbuster moves.
No, for sure. And that's, I mean, the fact that Dawkins and Winger went through this in Oklahoma City, I think, is, is a great confidence builder to, to trust it in a way that uh, you might otherwise not. But uh, this was the first of many. There will be many more to come. And we'll talk about them all with Dave Johnson, who uh, is about 45 minutes or so away from pregame at Madison Square Garden. Dave, appreciate your time as always, sir. And we will talk to you uh, multiple times next week. Yeah, well, look forward to that as well. Always the Huff and Show I look forward to. I listen on the Odyssey app. It's free. Yeah. It's free, by the way, folks. That, that's that's what everyone needs to know. At least that's what my bosses tell me. Uh, Dave, thank you, sir. Hi, <laughs> bud. That is Dave Johnson with us here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, speaking of great friends of the show, high-quality people who know a lot about their subject matter expertise, Mike Gam of NFL Network joins us next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We're streaming live on YouTube as well at the Team 980. Joining us now, great friend of the show, good person. Can't wait to see him, uh, presumably out in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl, Indianapolis for the Combine, which, by the way, uh, and I told you this before the show. I haven't told the audience yet. I've kind of referenced this, but uh, we're taking the show back to the Combine this year. Uh, we already told people we're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to the Combine, too. We're going to be everywhere. Double dipping. Lots of American Airlines Advantage points uh, were <laughs> been uh, purchased uh, in the last couple of days. Uh, anyway, but very happy to welcome back to the show, uh, our, our great friend, host of NFL Total Access, and, of course, author of the excellent children's book, Fried Rice and Marinara, it's Mike Yeah, Mike, hello, sir. Great to be with you. Always appreciate the invite, and you know there's nothing more important than status. Whether it's the airline or the hotel points, you, you, you got to score big. So well done by you. Mike, I'm going to be honest with you and the audience Part of the reason that I'm going to the combine is because I was on the edge. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be fully transparent. Uh, I've got the gold status locked up. This trip should put me over the edge for platinum status for next year. Oh yeah. So I was like, I think that we need to do this. And by the way, uh, I am definitely because I'm going with uh, my my personal training uh, fitness podcast partner. Uh, he and I have gone to the combine now for like seven, eight years because uh, it's like all the strength coaches are there on top of obviously all the, the regular NFL people. And I was like, Chris, I'll get the hotel uh, through the American site because I need them them points. And he's like, I see you. I, that's all you, man. So uh, that is a vet move. By yeah. the way, I always think it's weird when people are trying to hold on to that status and they do like a cross country flight. But they, they don't actually have a reason to do anything. They literally hop onto the plane, fly, land, and don't leave the airport and just fly back home. So the fact that you actually have an event and it's yeah. as significant as the combine, you're winning, man. Yeah, and yeah, no, I was I, I was like, you know what? This is this is too stupid not to do it. It makes too much sense. I I, I should do this. I, I walked out of the combine last year. I was there for like twenty four hours. I did like a, let me get there early one morning, leave late the next afternoon, maximize a two day. So I guess it was more closer to 36 hours. I was like, this was dumb. Next day, next year, I'm just coming for two days. Uh, so <laughs> this year we're doing that. So hopefully the, the, the long and the short of it, Mike is I'm looking forward to seeing you buddy, but now we've wasted two minutes of our time on the radio <laughs> talking about my stupid travel status. Even if everyone else is nodding along going, Hey Craig, you made the right move. Um, so, Mike, before you got to NFL Network, you were based in, yeah. in the Bay Area, Pac-12 Network. 
Um, you know, you, you kind of have had a, a front row seat out there on the West Coast in a lot of ways to what they built in San Francisco with the Niners. And, and of course, Adam Peters was a huge part of that. So I'm curious no what your uh, your vantage point of the hire that the commanders made in Peters is. I highly doubt you'll be the first person I've ever met saying bad things about him. I can't seem to find anyone with anything bad to say. And honestly, yeah. I'm not mad about it. Uh, totally. And look, I think, you know, fans in that area should be absolutely thrilled. Number one, you look at the success that the Niners have had over the last few years, and some would point to some misses in the draft. I, I would tell you, point to the hits. And, you know, I think some of the misses have really come on, on the earlier rounds, which is surprising, but they've done a great job in the middle to late rounds of the draft. So there's that aspect. They've navigated free agency really well. Uh, some would argue, well, they've had deep pockets. And you look at, you know, the top five you know, highest paid players at various positions, and they have some of those guys. Yeah, there, there's no question. you got to spend some money, and, and they've done it really wisely. And I think the the emphasis on wisely is really important, especially for a team like Washington. And, Craig, I remember being with you a couple weeks back, and this is before the trade deadline. I still looked at Washington's defense and felt like it was one of the better units that was, um, you know, I, I don't want to say underrated. I think that might not be the best way to describe it. But when you see some of the moves that they made, you know, Peters is now going to come in and he's got an opportunity to, to reload this roster. There's pieces that are there, but I think, you know, case in point, we, we're probably talking about quarterbacks here with this number two overall pick. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that when you look, I, I think like one of the things with San Francisco, you talk about the hits, the misses, whatever, like they, they refined the process as they went. And the fact that they've been so successful, despite some of the high profile misses, misses specifically Trey Lance. And by the way, passing. And I thought it was interesting. Peter's, has talked about this, where he's learned from the moves they made, trading up for Trey Lance, but also the ones they didn't sure. make, where they probably should have taken, obviously, Mahomes, for instance, at number two, uh, when they traded back with the Bears, who took Trubisky, and they took Solomon Thomas in that first draft where he was in San Francisco. So I, I think it's been interesting to watch how they've progressed through the years, and, and they learned like a guy like Brandon Ayuk is a good first-round pick for them, and they know how to develop it. And I'd be curious, Mike, if you have any insight on kind of that player development process. How much of that is the initial selections versus kind of what they set up as an organization to make sure that the players that they did ultimately bring in grew into what they wanted them to be? I, I think it's a heavy emphasis on the latter part of your statement, which is the de development part. You know, clearly you got to identify these guys, right? I mean, you've got to feel like, hey, are there going to be a fit in our system? Can our coaches take what's a really good body of work at the college game and elevate these guys. Cause you see that across the board, like Brandon Ayuk, for example, you mentioned him. I got to see him when he was at ASU pretty much saw every single snap that he played when he was in college felt like, you know, Brandon's got a really good potential to be a really good wide receiver. Did I think Brandon Ayuk was going to be the guy that I've seen, you know, this season, honestly, like, I think he's better than I thought. Uh, I thought he'd be a good wide receiver, but I think you could make an argument. If Brandon's playing for another football team, he's really not the third or fourth option in an offense. He's, he's probably the second best option on most teams. So I think to your point, they've developed a the guy. And, you know, this happens too, where there's these lulls. You know, coming off of that rookie season for Brandon Ayuk, you did see a little bit of that sophomore slump in the second half of of that rookie campaign also wasn't the strongest. And I think there was a patience factor that was involved there and really coaching, coaching and, and hard messaging to Brandon that, you know, some of the drops uh, that were plaguing him a little bit needed to be cleaned up. And now we're seeing the fruits of that labor. So I'm with you. I think you need to identify, but also need to project out and understand how is this guy going to fit in, into our organization around the coaches that we have here.
Right, which is how Peters thinks about football, which has been really cool to learn about kind of how he came to that and how he's implemented over the years, uh, over this past week that he's been on the job in Washington. Mike Gam with us from NFL Network, host of NFL Total Access. And uh, speaking of the head coach side of it, uh, we had Siciliano actually on earlier. We're double dipping NFL Network awesome. today. Don't tell Here your PR go. department. Um, they'll never let me have anybody again. Uh, anyway, the point is, uh, Mike, that it, it, we, we asked, I asked Andrew this question, and I'm curious uh, your answer as well. But of the known head coaching candidates out there, are there any that you know that have that it factor? And I and I will say uh, to give you a moment to think here, like we had Andrew on specifically as well because he does the Ram stuff in the preseason, and Raheem Morris is interviewing today, and everyone talks about that with Raheem. So you know Raheem's got that it factor. You can talk about many other aspects of his and everyone else's candidacies, but when you when you think of like future head coach, circle that. Some of the names that are floating around now, who are some of the guys that for you, you've been hearing about them for a long time and have a good feel that, yeah, that guy's going to be successful when he eventually gets a shot? So the it factor thing is is separate because I would tell you from a known commodity standpoint, when you look at Belichick comes to mind, Vabel, Mike Vrabel comes to mind. Those are guys that have done it, had success. You know, Belichick may be better than, than anyone who's ever done it. So there's that aspect of it. And yet oh, you turn the page and you name check some of the younger guys, the coordinators that are out there. Morse obviously has had some opportunities. You know, McDonald, not, not too far from you, the defensive coordinator with the Baltimore Ravens. I would be shocked. And maybe it's not this cycle, but just like, you know, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions was a hot name a year ago. And now all of a sudden has been thrust into high demand across the board. I think it, it, it comes down to two things. You know, Slowick, another another guy with Niners connections. Where's the tree? Who, who's the guy that this dude has actually learned from? So Johnson comes to mind. Slowick comes to mind. I still personally favor some of the defensive-minded coaches that are out there. Um, McDonald, once again, to me, is got to be on the short list. I, I think you, you saw a team that had some really good pieces and is now doing things that we can mention with like the 85 Bears, uh, that team's defense. And I still think Baltimore is the most complete team in the NFL. Would be shocked if they're not, you know, the last team standing one in the Super Bowl in Vegas. So he, his his name to me is one of the first ones that that I would point to. And you know, the Slowick factor. I, look, I, speaking of Baltimore, right? They're matching up against the Houston Texans this weekend. Yeah. You saw one of the things that we saw coming off the combine a year ago, since we will circle back to that conversation, was Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, which was going to be the better fit? An unknown, some question marks maybe with that coaching staff, not to say that they couldn't do it, but I think more people felt solidified that Carolina would be a better fit for any of the young quarterbacks because of the experience factor. And yet we saw quite the opposite. Carolina is a job that's available right now in a very short period of time. And yet the Houston Texans, and this is why I like Slowick as their offensive coordinator, look at development we've seen in D'Amico Ryan's as a defensive-minded coach. So I give a lot of credit to what we're seeing from CJ um, to, to Slowick. So he's another name that I would throw into the mix as well. No doubt about it. Uh, and plus, if they hire Slowick or Raheem Morris here, you can finally have a full circle moment from the 2013 Washington coaching staff picture that everyone likes to throw up. And you'd be like, oh, look, one of them finally went back to Washington because both those guys uh, were here. Uh, again, Mike Yam, you can watch him on NFL Total Access pretty much every day but Thursday, which is why he's often on our show on Thursdays. And uh, if, you have, if you have a kiddo looking for a great book, uh, don't forget his children's book, 
Fried Rice and Marinara is available now. Uh, very, very cool book that he's talked about on our show before. So if you want to learn more about the book, uh, go on YouTube and search Mike Yam and my name, and you'll find the history of why he wrote the book because it's very cool. Uh, Mike, thank you as always, sir. Uh, we will talk soon, and hopefully I'll see you in a couple weeks. You're the best, man. I always appreciate the invite. Absolutely. Uh, that is Mike Yam, everybody, with us on the Hoffman Show. Quick look at what's trending. Then we wrap things up with real things, real people said, into real microphones. It's the Hoffman Show. Wrap it up here on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Real things coming up in just a moment. Tomorrow on the show, short one, uh, Georgetown Seton Hall, I believe it is. Tomorrow night on the old schedule. Uh, we got Georgetown Hoops, that much I know for you, at 6 15 anthony uh we'll what else we got uh we got uh our picks for the weekend so we'll go around the nfl at 5 30 we got tim twentyman uh coming up at five o'clock tim is a reporter for the covering the lions who is really really good and we'll have insight on ben johnson because ben johnson is interviewing for the commander's head coaching job tomorrow uh also clinton yates should be back with us on a friday although every time i tease that Clinton's going to be on the show. That's the weeks he can't do it, but yeah, he did miss us last week, and I think we're uh, we're actually already all squared away for tomorrow. So uh, Yates should be back with us. Uh, that's that's most of the show, Anthony. That is most of the show. We're in pretty good shape. You love to see it, and then and then we have a weekend, and then we're actually going to have a Monday show, like on a Monday. Wow, we really are. We're going to have a five day week. Yeah, I mean, I'm not psyched about that part, but. Monday it, shows after playoff weekends are kind of fun. Like, if I could do Monday and then take Tuesday off, that'd be that'd be ideal. I agree. What if we just ask that? Like, hey, CK, during the offseason, can we just take, like, every other Tuesday off? You think that will go over well with the bosses? No. I don't think it would either, Craig. If you know, you know. Just... <laughs> Uh, any other housekeeping? Uh, if you missed the show or any part of the show, uh, we had great stuff. Andrew Siciliano was so good, so good, uh, at the 430 spot today. Uh, so that's definitely worth checking out on the podcast. Open the show with some thoughts on Raheem Morris and Dan Quinn, uh, as they interviewed today for the commander's job, uh, virtually speaking, of course, um, let's see what else we got. Oh, and then of course, a reminder. That we have 106.7 The Fan versus the Team 980 Live coming up. Uh, that is on February 2nd. It's off air, on stage, uncensored. Uh, you get your tickets at BethesdaTheater.com. It's presented by Main Street Bank. Cheer local bank local. Put their team in your office. Visit MStreetBank.com for more information. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's all the housekeeping, Anthony. I think it is, too. All righty, then. Real things. We're not going to be f- sunk this year. Real people. 5 and 11. Not very good. Set into real microphones. You know, the culture is actually damn good. All right, let's see what we got for the real things today. The real things the real people said into real microphones. You know, I actually saw, Anthony, by the way, CBS Sports sent out this big press release the other day. Um... And Ian Eagle is going to be out in Las Vegas doing stuff for Super Bowl week. And so when I'm out there, I got to have Ian on set and be like, Ian, do you know that you are on Mount Rushmore of a segment of a radio show? 
How sick would it be if Radio Row Week, I could get him and Harlan together for a segment of Real Things? Wow. Like, guys, I need you here at 645. You, this is going to be the best radio segment. You guys are going to do a million radio segments this week. This will be the one you have the most fun with. And we just we just pick out the best Real Things things that we've ever had. We scrounge the folders <laughs> from everything from airport screaming man. Come on. To... Uh, some of Ian and Kevin's best work to uh-huh. some of our favorites of all time. That would be uh, a lot of sleepless nights because that would be a lot of audio to listen to. Yeah, it would be. It would be. I feel like we could. We could. Nah, I think we get through it. But hey, if if Harlan and Ian want to do it, <laughs> that would be tough. That would be nice. All right. Uh, anyway, this is a good one. I don't know if it's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Demar Derozan mic'd up. Last you know you get old with most of the commentators, people you played against. Well, that's right. Demar did play against Richard and JJ plenty of times. Yeah, sure did. Uh, Ryan Rucco there on the back end of it on ESPN. Demar DeRozan, in case you couldn't catch it, you know you're getting old when the commentators are the people that you played against. Uh, meanwhile, uh, on the other end of the uh, let's call it seasoned vet scale, uh, Tyler Hero. Had a heck of a press conference last night in Miami. He learned a new word, galvanizing. Can you talk about those little contributions? What was the, the galvanizing factor that really helped you guys close it out tonight? What word was that you used? Galvan- what was that? Galvanizing. It's a big word for me, dog. Y'all having galvanizing? Oh, Tyler. He tried. He tried so hard. Yeah, the I think the effort was there. The execution, however, Craig. Like, I he 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 went for the callback. The yeah, problem like is that. when you go for the callback, you gotta execute. Yeah. Punchline that punched him. Yeah. If you will. Uh last but not least, uh Anthony, because I'm guessing we don't have time for the other one in the folder. Actually, do we even have time for this? Coco Goff from the Australian Open earlier in this week. Uh, with with a pretty funny line as well. Honestly, when I was nervous at three all, I just told myself I literally said I feel good, I look good. Um, so, I mean, you know, you look very good. <laughs> I feel good, I look good. So just have fun, and then that was able to relax me a little bit. So, I mean, that's what I do when I'm having a bad radio show. I'm like, hey, kid. Nobody can see you. It's a radio show. Just kidding. We stream live on YouTube for three hours a day. And we'll do it again tomorrow on The Hoffman Show.